0: Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire, which we broadcast from every single year. Today is surprisingly hot. Like, I've been sort of reporting the weather all week, as we tend to do, because we're here, we want to let people know what it's like. And obviously, the first thing people want to know is, is it too hot? Is it too cold? And these other petty little concerns like that. But no, it's actually actually quite warm today, quite comfortable. A little bit on the warm side, but as, as we mentioned yesterday, people continued rolling in all day yesterday. They continue rolling in all day today. And it's going to continue escalating like that until this weekend, at which point it's going to peak. And that's when you get Peak Pork Fest is this upcoming Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. Of course, Saturday is also the Rant competition, Soapbox Idol. Uh, it happens every year. And this will be year four that I've judged the thing. And I love it. It's, it's so much fun. Like, it's just libertarians getting up there for three minutes and ranting about whatever they happen to want to rant about. And it's it's usually pretty good. And yes, we can be right. We are corrupt. We are all. All the all the ju- judges. Like, we're, we're straight up corrupt. Uh, last year, Jeremy Kaufman gave someone bonus points for bringing him a beer. And I, I took... Mean, yeah, whatever it takes. And I took bonus points away from said person for not bringing me a beer. So <laughs> that's how these things go. It's difficult. Not going to lie. It is difficult to do a show today. I've been expecting a notification from the Bureau of Prisons, from the U.S. Marshals, actually. They, they, they were supposed to give me a call. And I don't like this idea of the U.S. Marshals calling me on my cell phone. That is right? also
1: such a strange way to do it. I, yeah, I it, am it is. so surprised that that's how they notify
0: people on where they will it, be held. It's shocking, right? However, that, that is what they do. They do send an official notice of some sort to my attorney and to my probation officer. So presumably they would have let me know. But the U- U.S. Marshals, surprisingly enough, yes, they just call me on the phone. So anyway, I received a I I was told by my supervisory officer to let her know if a week beforehand came and I still didn't know that was yesterday or the 20th I don't know what day it is yeah yesterday I you know contacted her and said hey you know I still don't I'm supposed to be in prison a week from now and I still don't know where I'm supposed to be going and she said okay well I'll I'll contact the U.S. Marshals tomorrow and get back to you and she actually did that and they contacted me today And I will be imprisoned in FPC Devon's FMC Devons, sorry, at the Satellite Camp in Massachusetts. It's about about an hour away from Keene. It is a men's prison. I mean, I knew this was going to happen, right? I'm I'm actually shocked. I did not think this was going to happen. I did expect it because it's the Bureau of Prisons, right? And and their whole job—I mean, like what they do for a living—is make people miserable. So, yeah. I mean, and the the best way to, to maximize my misery, of course, is going to be to put me in a men's prison. I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed, and I mean, I say I'm not surprised. I am a little bit surprised because I'm a well-known trans activist, and I. I you know, for six years now, the entire time that I committed these alleged crimes, I was trans. I had transitioned. I've never been in New Hampshire as anything but a trans woman. And despite that, they're putting me in a men's prison, which, fine, I, I don't really care what your position is about, you know, trans people, really. But it means the average trans per, trans person out there, they are screwed. They don't stand a chance, yeah. right? If they're going to take this this known activist— Relatively well known, and the throw me in a men's prison. Then the I've also heard of them putting trans women in women's facilities, though. That's yes. not unheard of. What they do, uh, I've heard, and I, you know, we'll never know the metrics they use to make these determinations because it's the government. They do whatever they want to do. I right. don't
1: think there's, you know, a, a formula they use. It's just whatever they feel
0: like doing that day. Well, if they do have a formula, then it's something that isn't published. It's something that they keep to themselves. And, you know, they have no obligation to be clear and let people know what they're doing and why they're doing it. They are the government. So they may have some sort of list that they keep private that they use. I've heard that it comes down to bottom surgery, that if you haven't had bottom surgery, they're, they're going to classify you according to your genitals, which and it's so... It's so difficult, right? Because, look, libertarians, I love you, but do not come up to me right now and be like, hey, I've got an idea on how you can beat your case. Dude, I'm going to prison yeah, in, it's too late in for that. six days, man. And, and even honestly, if it people wasn't, just saying that, it's just kind of annoying. It is. And, and even if it wasn't six days away or too late for that, it's like, dude, do, do you really think Two and a half years into this, you can offer something that I haven't considered that my attorney, my highly paid, highly qualified attorney who does this for a living hasn't considered. When we were when I was talking to a friend of mine about what designation I was going to end up in, what prison I was going to end up in, he said he, he Googled some stuff. He was like, oh, don't worry. The Biden administration did a thing. You'll be fine. And this and this is New England. You'll be fine. I was like, dude, none of that has anything to do with any of this. He suggested that I was going to be stationed in Massachusetts. I I say stationed. I don't know if that's the right terminology or not. But he thought that I was going to be put in Massachusetts, which turned out to be correct, Mm -hmm. to be fair. But he expected, oh, and it's Massachusetts. They'll put you in a women's prison. You'll be fine. Like, what the state of Massachusetts wants and does here is irrelevant. This is not state. This is federal. And it doesn't matter what the particular state is and what they want. The federal government is going to abide their policies and not the state policies and the their policy is they have some sort of some sort of board some sort of committee that sits around and that has never met me that did not freaking talk to me knows nothing about of me of course they, not yeah and they make their decision based on god knows what criteria because they certainly haven't told me and then they just do whatever they want and they release me i figured it out right F, fmc devens that's a federal medical uh correctional facility. It is a medical facility. It's the medical facility in New England, and apparently they have a fair number of trans inmates there, so won't be the only trans inmate. But when i when i first when i talked to people about this their hypothesis is always or their suggestion is always well why don't well they can't put you know trans people in the women's prison or trans women in the women's prison or the men's prison so they should have their own prison i don't know if there's no.
1: enough trans inmates well, to be able
0: to do that would there be well that's messed up anyway you can't take all the trans people and put them in their own special prison away yeah, from like the segregating rest of society them. Yeah. yeah it's weird Listen, imagine doing that with all with all black people or all, yeah. all hispanic people it's, it's, it's disgusting they can't do that but they do that when when i was arrested in march the 16th of 2021 they didn't know what the hell to do with me so they held me in medical like the uh jail in concord they held me in medical that the entire time i was in their custody essentially like solitary confinement it is absolutely which solitary they use
1: for because i you know i've you know had a talked to some people about this, and they're like, oh, well, they should put her in um, solitary so she'll be safe. What the hell, man? But that yeah, is... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was
0: like, what, what are they going to do?
1: Yeah, because that's literally a punishment that they use for people to kind of drive them crazy
0: because we're social people as human beings,
1: and you, you know. Yeah,
0: solitary confinement is a known and recognized form of torture, and it's common yeah. in the U.S. Bureau of Prisons, don't get me wrong, but, like, that's not what you want to do with people. To, that's how they exceed their punishment. That's how they uh, escalate their punishment, yeah. rather. Instead of just being in prison, you're also in solitary confinement in prison. And that's so much worse. But that's what they did to me. And luckily, I was only in there for like a day. But yeah, it was a, a full day of just solitary confinement, speaking only to a guard here and there and only to my attorney over the phone, and only to the guard when they actually brought me food or when they brought me the phone to talk with my attorney. Very bizarre. My attorney informed me that they did this because they didn't know what to do with you. I was like, well, it's really simple what they could have done with me. Just put me in the jail with the women, and everything would have been fine, right? It's not going to be an issue. And plus, they knew I was getting out that day anyway. So it's why? why did they put me in solitary confinement for the day if that was what they were going to do? But anyway, so... What they're doing here with Devon's being a medical facility, as far as I can tell, is they're, they're taking that same basic idea and they're applying it to the entire prison. Oh, well, we don't know what to do with trans people, so we'll put them in medical. And that's exactly what they're doing here. They just have an entire medical facility, facility and that's where they're you know, pushing off the trans people in New England. And that's where I'm going to be doing my time. Now, I am at the satellite camp. I will be at the satellite camp in Devon's, Massachusetts, which is a little easier than the actual prison. It's hard to find information about any of these federal prison camps. Now, if I if I go online and I look up the, the Devon's, Massachusetts federal prison, it's going to return FMC, which is the, the actual medical correctional facility. But it doesn't tell me anything about the camp. In fact, in the... Um, handbook that the prison releases the word camp doesn't appear at all it does mention the fpc which is the federal prison camp but that's it and it doesn't really give you any indication about what rules apply to the camp that don't apply to the prison and vice versa because it is a camp it's not a summer camp but of course not no but it is a lot it is a lot nicer than an actual prison. Like, there, there won't be any bars, is how my attorney put it to me. And when I asked him what the difference was, he said, well, the camp doesn't have bars. Well, that's nice, I guess. I'm wondering if you'll be able to have visitors,
1: and obviously I'm assuming you can receive mail, but...
0: Yes, uh, I've looked into some of that, and you know, I just learned this a few hours ago, and I'm sitting so, here, I have a show to do, and you yeah. know we had She Talk Live planned here, which we're doing topless, by the way, and it's Woo-hoo! fantastic here at RV46. I'm really glad. And so far, there. I mean, we just started, but there's been no... No problems whatsoever, which is good. That's There's positive. no riot yet because right. our boobs yeah. are out. But it, yeah. it's difficult to focus and do a show. I mean, anyway, with all of this hanging over, but like I just found this out a few hours ago and been reading the handbook here or skimming it for the relevant things like I don't I don't care about I, I cannot I am not a member of the press while I'm in Bureau of Prisons custody, I've learned. And that's sort of significant because I am a member of the press. I do a nationally syndicated radio show here. Like, it's hard to get more member of the press than that. But while I'm in their custody, nope, not a member of the press. Uh, little things like that. I do, I am allowed visitors. I think it said six visits per week, but I don't remember. But, yeah, you know, the good news is it is right there in Davis, Massachusetts. I did not expect that. I I figured I would be incarcerated somewhere in Utah or Colorado or somewhere. I mean, really that would far be
1: ridiculous. Away. Yeah,
0: well, but yeah, but it's the mean, the feds, prison. Yeah, is it any the more feds ridiculous? are ridiculous. So, so <laughs> is it any more ridiculous than like the picture of me that I posted this with? Like, was the picture that I took in my bathroom where I had my hair right and I was pretty much wearing this exact outfit, very clearly not a dude. But you see, so is it any more ridiculous than taking that person and putting them in a men's prison? Oh I would God. argue no. Plus, they treat the Free State Project as a gang in mm-hmm. the Bureau of Prisons, and they would want to put me as far away from the gang and its headquarters and base of operations as possible. It's just such a joke. They can't actually believe that, can they?
2: I, I Do don't they know. they think we're just going to abandon you and you're going to just... You're, oh, aria has gone, so uh, we don't care about it anymore. I mean I would fly like, to Utah to visit Aria. I would totally too.
0: Well I appreciate it. Luckily it's not necessary. I mean it's a it's an hour long drive from Keene, New Hampshire, which is great. I'm looking forward to that. And it's gonna make them that that much harder for them to disappear me. Right. That that's sort of been my concern here. Not right. because I'm I'm worth disappearing right anything, but that's what the I don't trust the government at all. And I'm going to be in their custody and completely at their mercy, for 18 months. And given that I'm not on very good terms with the government in general, that, that gives me a little bit of pause. But there's there's nothing to be done about it. But it's right there. It's like an hour drive from Keene. So can hopefully get plenty of visits and all of that great stuff. I did. I have already updated ariademetso.com with that information. So if you want to know how you can write me, that is there at ariademetso.com. And there will likely be something on the Crypto 6 website. But... Again, you can go to com and find that information. It's can easy. we send I you stuff, like books and stuff like that? Yeah, probably. There's something in the handbook about it. I haven't you know read it all yet. I mean, again, two hours ago, I don't have all the answers. Yeah, I've course. already had people asking me questions like, well, how can I send you this or send you that? I'm like, dude, I, I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, you literally,
0: oh. yeah, like this is all all very new to me, and I'm I'm just now trying to wrap my head around it. But in theory, in a lot of jails, you can ship people books from Amazon, but they have to be shipped directly from Amazon, so you can't like receive it at your house and then forward it to me.
1: Yeah, just in case there's anything hidden in there or right. whatever. Can so we,
0: in theory, yeah, you can, can do we all add that. Add to your
2: commissary and then.
0: Yes, yeah, so you can. You can buy it. You should also be able to add to my commissary. But uh, again, you can't really do any of that until I'm actually in prison, because right. I don't have a a inmate number yet. And yeah, you need, exactly. You need the inmate number. I did ask them if they knew what my inmate number would be, and they gave me the my U.S. Marshal Service number, my Ugh. USMS number, and and they said it's my Bureau of Prisons number. But that's that's not the inmate number that people would need to actually send me letters and stuff. So so that's how my day is going and again we i knew it was coming right there's a countdown timer right there on this table laying out exactly when i'm due to report to federal custody and i'm checking into ums uh, i almost said umc it's not umc is i don't i don't remember all the letters fmc i think at this point it's Nevis, massachusetts federal prison is where i will be this time next week so that sucks but again we did know it was coming and it, I'm somewhat relieved to finally know, and I'm a little bit – I'm obviously glad that it's not in California or something where, where I would have to leave the Porcupine Freedom Festival and fly out there because, again, they're going to get me to whatever prison I'm being imprisoned in. And if that's California, then they're going to most like they would most likely have me report to the jail in Concord and they would bust me down there and then bust me a little bit further. And then over the course of a few weeks, I would get to the actual prison after spending many, many days in random jails and riding along the bus handcuffed would not want to do that. But luckily, so I would alternatively have flown to whatever place it was. But luckily, that's not necessary. I'm just going to. Get a friend to take me down there. And uh, so I've already had people offer, well, do you, do you need a ride? I was, I, I've had the ride part worked out for a really long time. And it's, it's uh, like my best friend, uh, Annie, is going to do it. And she's probably the easiest person for me to like just part with without having some sort of nervous breakdown about you know going into federal prison for 18 months. And I'm, I'm always being asked. I've been asked the entire time if it's, if it's actually 18 months or you might get out. Or like, just, I don't know. Right. The Google is there. It, it has these questions. It has these answers far better than I do. And I'm, I'm just going to Google it and tell you whatever Google says. But it's not clear in regard to federal prison anyway. Well,
1: it's a case by case basis, you know. Right. I mean, some people get out early. Some people don't. So well, there's really no way to know until it happens.
0: Well, they passed the First Step Act in 2021 and the goal of that was to streamline the process to make it not a case-by-case basis because prior to the first step act you had to like get the warden of the prison to initiate the process of getting you released early and now because of the first step act that part is no longer necessary you can serve some portion of your prison sentence and then the remainder under house arrest or in a halfway house it's unclear exactly what those limits are, but you do get 56 days out of a year for good behavior, but it's not prorated. So I'm spending 18 months in there. I only get one year's of credit of good behavior. So 56 days, I think, is what it comes out to. I don't remember the exact number now, but not 18 months of good behavior, just 12 because they don't you know, prorate the extra year. So I don't know. Could be anywhere from six to nine months to 18 months, right? I'm going to be in the Bureau of Prisons custody, and they're going to do they're going to do whatever they want.
2: Yeah, and the not knowing is part of the torture process.
0: It is, but you know they they've given me an answer now, so I have at least one. Le- le- and now I know, you know, eighteen months from now ish, I will be released and I will be free. But then th- then there's a year of supervised release waiting for me, which thankfully. I have the least amount of supervised release of all of the people sentenced so far. I mean, I also have the longest prison sentence of all the people sentenced so far. I had the only prison sentence of those sentenced in the Crypto 6 case. However, I do have only a year of supervised release. So in theory, I will be able to have house arrest because, you know, I have a house. I have two cats. I have a dog. I have a full time job. I wouldn't have been in prison that long, not nearly long enough to be institutionalized. I suspect House arrest will make more sense for me than uh, the the halfway house but they're going to do what they want and most people end up in a halfway house which would suck right being in the halfway house in Manchester or whatever so close to home but not allowed to be home
1: yeah and it, it just feels like there's no reason for you to be in a halfway house
0: right the part of the I ha- mean there's really no reason for you to be going to prison. Sure, but the point of the halfway house is to help people retransition back into society, right? To yeah. After them, six
1: months, nine months, eighteen months, I don't think.
0: Yeah, to help them find a job, to find an apartment, and all of that stuff. Is like, hey, I already have a house. I already have a full time job waiting on me to get back. I have two full time jobs waiting on me to get back to them. Like, none of that crap is necessary in my case, and I have two cats and a dog. I think house arrest makes. And I had I had given up hope that they would actually give me house arrest instead of um, the halfway house because why would why would they be nice to me but the fact that they're putting me in devons which is actually near to Keene, suggests to me that maybe maybe they are a little bit less evil and malicious than i expected now i say this about the bureau of prisons i don't know anything about the actual guards that are going to be overseeing me but the bureau of prisons as a whole as an institution the people who made these decisions as i understand them they are bureaucratic tyrants who like making people miserable and that's what they do best. And that was why I assumed again they were going to put me in a men's facility because they like making people miserable, and this is the, the best way for them to do that. But it makes me feel bad for all of the trans people out there who aren't well-known activists because they're screwed, right? Like that, I, I was. Sure, that if they were going to put me in a women's facility, it it would all be to thank for the fact for my activism here and the fact that you know I've made national headlines running for public offices and stuff like the Bureau of Prisons, they know who I am, Mm -hmm. and attorneys have attorney, my attorney, and attorney friends have already warned me that. I'm going to be screwed with a lot while in their custody solely for that reason. I'm what they called high profile. I was like, I think you're exaggerating the, my significance here, so I didn't buy it. But after several attorneys, I'm like, yeah, this is this is what it's going to be like, and it's going to suck. So maybe they'll withhold mail, withhold phone calls, put me in solitary arbitrarily, who knows, right? But they, they will be meaner to me, I'm told, than they are the average person. It, it feels
2: like to me, like they're trying you're to. You're way make too anything.
0: far away from the mic, it's not picking up anything. No, it's okay. I was just.
2: Re- <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, I I feel like a, you're. Ma- they're making an example out of you. It-
0: I would hope not. I mean, they're they're gonna make the example out of like Ian,
2: right? Uh, absolutely, but. But
0: I mean, as far as I don't know in what way they would be making an example. I mean, there's plenty of trans people like already in prison that they're going to be screwing with and putting in whatever facilities they want. I think if they wanted to make an example of me, the judge would have given me the full 37 months that the prosecutors were asking for. Um, I, they, they asked for the maximum sentence in my case. Are you guys serious? Because I, I sold Bitcoin and you want to give me the maximum prison sentence? Absolutely insane. But that's what they did. They The maximum sentence in my case, for those who weren't following that closely, was 37 months. 30 to 37 months was the sentencing guidelines. So the floor, 30 months. The ceiling, 37 months. That's that's not much of a, a window there for the for the judge to play with. However, I got sentenced under the guidelines to just eighteen months in prison instead of thirty. And again, the prosecutors for the for the one trans person in the crypto six who had been sentenced were asking for the maximum sentence. I'm not saying they were transphobic, but the only person they said should get the maximum sentence was the trans person being sentenced. Yeah, it so, makes you wonder. And
2: the high profile.
0: Well, yeah, but, well, I guess I'm, so you I'm guys certainly not were, the highest profile well, among yeah, this, though. So.
1: And I guess you could say all of the members of the Crypto
0: 6 are high profile. Well, they certainly are now, right? Now, yeah, now, um, they yeah they are. now they are. A large part of the campaigns that we were doing was trying to raise the public awareness of what is happening in cryptocurrency. And whether or not we were successful, I, I don't... I don't think it really matters at this point. Of course, Ian is still due to be sent this in about two months from now. He's going to be here later today. And we are here. There's more coming up, including discussions about the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It is Free Talk Live.
2: Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In 2022, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers, and you get a discount for paying with Dash. Finally, a reason to spend your crypto. It's called Dash Direct. Get it on your Apple or Android App Store. The stores on Dash Direct each offer their own discount level but some are as high as 8 to 9% off dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi crypto wallets it's easy to get and use dash start by learning more at dash.org thanks to the dash dow for sending us 32 dash per month to promote dash on the air visit dash.org to learn about dash dash.org
0: It is Free Talk Live and we are here, Pork Fest number three. That's the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Day number three here at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. There are a few things on the schedule today that I actually may go down and check out. I, I really want to get the philosopher on here at some point because she wants to be on here as well. That's pho like the Vietnamese noodle philosopher, right? And I assume that, I don't know, she introduced herself as pho. And I just happen to know that's the Vietnamese noodle because we used to have a restaurant in Keen called Pho Keen. Great. Oh, that's right. We're, he wants to do a photo op, so we probably need to put tops on at some point. But we are here doing a topless episode of... She Talk Live at the Pork and Pine Freedom Festival. Um, beautiful day. It's a good day to be topless, to be totally honest with you, because it's a bit warm.
1: Yeah, 75 degrees, which feels warm when you're in the New Hampshire mountains, because it's
0: typically <laughs> like 50, 60 degrees. But it's a perfect temperature. It is weird that you actually said that because I I would not typically expect. I'm from Mississippi, and I would not expect like 75 degrees to be warm. But it it absolutely is warm. It's an absolutely beautiful day as well. Great day for freedom here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And I think I'm down to like maybe five days and a handful of hours, six days and a handful of hours left before, as I mentioned, I'm reporting to Devon's Federal Prison in Massachusetts. Thankfully... It is close to Keen. I, I did not anticipate that. Based on everything I was hearing, I was like, they're going to put me far. But, I, you know, we just rehashed that, and I don't want to get further back into it. But, Nikki, you have a story that we've been wanting to talk about for a, a few weeks now, about a Grateful Dead drag show, sort of, and... So this story is like a a wonderful nexus of different things, I believe. Of course, we are putting on a... I want to call it a drag show, but there aren't going to be any drag queens here. We tried, right? I I really did. The White Mountains uh, Pride organization had a drag event canceled here in Lancaster a few weeks ago. And to their credit, the drag queens involved did not want to cancel the show. They wanted to proceed despite the threats from conservatives. And it just didn't... So the drag event in Lancaster was canceled, regrettably, and they wanted to co- proceed with it. But the library, the public library, was like, no, the, these threats of violence, we're going to let them be successful. And we're going to let these people who threaten violence to get exactly what they wanted by canceling this show, even though the performers are still willing to proceed with. It. And that, to me, is cowardice. The, the moment someone threatens violence is, one, it's clearly the moment where they don't have any other arguments in their favor. Uh, like Violence is the, quote, argument of last resort. If you have a rational, logical, good argument to put forward against something, then do that. But when you run out of good, those arguments, that's when people tend to resort to violence. Yep, and absolutely. I, I'm of the opinion that we should never reward threats of violence by giving people what they want, right? That's just giving in to terrorism. That's letting them have their way and that's exactly what these conservatives who made threats against the they threatened the public library where with a, a child's event at a public library these people threatened violence what the hell is the matter with you there are kids here man like however bad you think drag queens are let me tell you violence is freaking worse
1: absolutely right that's that's traumatization right there
0: and you would think that they would have i mean if all of that they're doing is for the kids because that's the argument they love putting forward so much that exposing children to violence would not be among the things they were interested in doing but throughout the united states we've we've been the americans have been fighting about this drag thing for years and drag queen story hour was how it all began probably a decade ago and i don't understand why a drag queen wants to put on a show for kids. I, could, I, I don't understand. What, what do you get out of that? Other than exposing children to, to ideas that they otherwise may not here until they're older or maybe they're in conservative areas and they need to learn that other people live lifestyles. I don't know. I mean, as long as it's age appropriate, because we all know some
1: drag shows can kind of get dirty and raunchy and drag queens are infamous for their dirty jokes, which is fine for adults. But I think as long as the event is, you know, appropriate, age appropriate, um, it could be a a fun thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. I wanted to do that here at, at, at Roger's Campground uh, tomorrow at 3 o'clock p.m. We are doing a tranny story hour because we don't have a drag queen, but we do have a tranny. And so I'm going to do that. But I freaking hate kids, man, right? Yeah. And I, I don't want to be around kids. But Maj threatened violence, and Bonnie over there was like, oh, well, we're going to put on a drag show, so screw you. And, you know, here I am going, well, all right, guess what? Guess I'm doing a drag show then. Because I'm not going to let the threat of violence win. And that's ultimately, we weren't going to have a drag show anyway. But this, the LGBT flag hanging right there, that's pushback against this rise of conservatism. I didn't have a flag here last year or the year before, or the, even the year before that. This is the first year I've ever bothered to fly one. There are several around here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, though, more so than there were last year. And I suspect, as with me, they're they're just flying it as pushback against conservatives and this this hostile takeover from conservatives trying to claim libertarianism as their own because the, the conservative brand has been damaged so badly by MAGA types and by Trump that they refuse to call themselves conservative anymore. They want to call themselves anything else. to, Or it's to distinguish themselves from the mainstream Republicans like Ted Cruz and Kasich and these others. So they, they want to call themselves libertarians. They're different. They're not just your average conservative, but— they are. And I ran into this like a few days ago on Twitter. Someone commented something I said, and she said, I'm not a conservative though. And I looked on her profile, like the very first thing was uh, about how evil abortion is. And she calls herself a, a mother by grace. So she's hardcore Christian as well. So who we got Christian, pro life, and anti trans lady. If, if it looks like a duck and it smells, sounds like a duck, then, you know, I, I then you're a conservative. Right. <laughs> she's absolutely a conservative, but she doesn't want to call herself that because the conservative brand has been damaged so badly. So they think they can just come in and take over the libertarian brand. And I'm not going to let them do it. If they're going to call themselves libertarians. Hey, guess what, guys, that label it, gets, it applies to me too. say, so you're right. Come here, buddy. Let me give you a hug. This is my friend here. We're libertarians. They can take that crap back to Freedom Fest, as far as I'm concerned. And let libertarians have the Porcupine Freedom Fest. We only have, we want the one little tiny state and the one little festival. Can you please just keep your conservative crap in Florida and Texas, maybe? But in other these, – these conservative states like Florida, Texas, Mississippi, they are passing anti-drag regulations. And it's been curious watching this play out because – it hasn't worked. Every time these have been challenged in court, they ended up losing and the state had to undo it. The most recent one, I think, was happening in Florida, where DeSantis, the champion of the, of the MAGA types, Donald Trump 2.0, is realistically what Ron DeSantis is, what has been pimping this anti-woke nonsense has for the last ever since he realized that being against masks and being against the lockdowns was a good way to win political points with conservatives who weren't happy with how things were going. He's been beating that dead horse since. And it hasn't, it's been going well. I mean, he, I, I tend to think he's doing a little bit better than Donald Trump. But the, his own experts in this most recent court case testified that, yes, gender identity is actually a thing. Like these are, he banned transitioning for children under 18. And said that there was no medical basis because he's a politician. What does he know about medicine? So they had a court case over it. And the experts, among other things, came in and said, Oh, yes, yes, DeSantis is wrong. Like these are, these are witnesses for the state for the government in favor of this barbaric law. And they still So this is an ongoing fight that I don't want to fight about drag queens, man. I don't want to fight about my existence. And my life has been so much better since I stopped scrolling Twitter and Facebook because of that. It's so toxic. It is.
1: And there are some really, really positive pockets of social media where, you know, I get a lot of health information and and just overall, like, high-vibe stuff. But there is also so much toxicity and negativity on social media and so much hate. And I've really been trying to get away from that and not just trying to get away from social media, but unfollowing or blocking all of these really negative people that are advocating for violence and trying to fill my feed with more positive stuff and, you know, more educational stuff, the stuff, I want to see I don't want to see hate. I don't want to see people, you know, trying to speak out against gay people and and, in transgender people. I don't I don't need that in my life. That is so toxic. I just want to see positive high vibe
0: stuff. That's awesome. And I try to avoid blocking people. I've begun to do that lately because there's a lot of people who follow me just just to call me a guy and just to insult me and attack me like that seems to be the only literally the only reason they follow me. They're not libertarians. They just, they just hate me. So they're haters, I guess. And I tend to ignore them. But when they get to the point where all they ever do is insult me, that, that's the point at which I block them because they're not bringing anything about. You, you want to throw me a joke every once in a while? That's fine. I probably won't block you. But if all you ever do is come on to say you're a man wearing a dress. Yeah, I'm going to block you within a few days because I, I don't need that crap in my life. Yeah, it gets old quick. It does. And it brings nothing of value to me. So just, just stop doing it. So I try not to block people, but it is a useful tool for controlling this sort of thing. But just scrolling, if I were to pull out my phone and just scroll Twitter right now, it would be within the first five tweets that I would see some professed libertarian suggesting something anti-trans to to some degree it's it's tedious it's exhausting and it brings no no value to anyone we have several people from the press here this year who have asked me well you know i've been i've been following the porcupine freedom festival on social media and the libertarian movement in general and it seems like it's pretty transphobic i mean are are you are you welcome here i'm like that crap only exists on the internet if once you get away from twitter Everyone here, I've been coming here, this is my seventh year, they've only ever been completely and totally yeah. welcoming.
1: And I also want to say a lot of those like conservatarians on Twitter spewing that nonsense, most of them don't live in New Hampshire. A lot of them are actually living in places like Florida.
0: Right, where, so, where they should stay yes. if they're not libertarians and if they're just conservatives. So this ongoing has taken many forms of course uh maynard james keenan of tool performed recently they were tool performed and he has a long career of like wearing drag and stuff mm-hmm. and he did he brought it back for this show in florida which has a drag ban in place he said it wasn't political and i don't know why he would say that like you haven't done drag in 10 years and then you go to this state where drag is banned, and you do drag and you insist is not political i i don't i don't buy it but that's what he said you know he, he has the right to determine that But there is an entire band now called The Grateful Drag. Is that right? Um, They're called Bertha, but I think their tag on
1: Instagram
0: is Grateful Drag, which I
1: just think is so funny. And they are a
0: Grateful Dead cover band that just does drag. While doing Grateful Dead covers, so tell us about this because I'm not I'm not a Deadhead, I'm not a huge Grateful Dead fan. Yeah,
1: but yeah, you know, and I, it's funny I I am a, a huge Deadhead. I mean, if you just look at my water bottle and my tattoos, you you can see that. But um, I was scrolling through Instagram one day just looking for Grateful Dead Art, because that's uh, just something I like to do. I and I stumbled... Well, they do have a cool style of art. Yeah. And uh, I stumbled upon a account called Grateful Drag. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So I ended up looking through their, their, um, their site, and I found a Rolling Stone article about them, which is so cool, because they're starting to really um, get press. Um, So I'll, I'll get into the article here. So this is an article from The Rolling Stone. A Grateful Dead tribute band in drag raises money for trans youth in Tennessee
0: oh that's right you had you had told me about this previously where they they don't raise money for themselves Mm -hmm. all of the money that they get that from performing they may pay them their own expenses and stuff I don't know but the the actual money the bulk of it goes to trans awareness organizations and things to help trans youth Yep. you know to actually help kids Mm -hmm. instead of sheltering them while ruining their lives
2: that's awesome
1: so when Melody Walker and her friend Caitlin Doyle first envisioned the Grateful Dead tribute band Bertha, Tennessee's legislature hadn't yet introduced legislation limiting drag performance.
0: Wait, you said Caitlin something?
1: Um, Caitlin Doyle is her name.
0: So this is a so, female that so, is also a drag queen? Because I didn't know yes, about this happening so it, it's until actually, recently.
1: It's actually cool. So um I, I would say half the members are men in drag, and then half the members are females in drag. So their two lead singers are both females, and then some of I think the bassist and the guitar player are um are both men in drag.
0: And that raises so many more issues for the conservative, right? Like you okay, so you have an issue with people in drag, right? Okay. What about women in drag? And they assume at this point that you mean like, oh, quote, woman asterisk in drag, like a trans woman in yeah. drag, like Arya in drag. But no, we mean like drag one of the... Drag king. Yeah, w- no, not even drag kings, because a drag king is a different thing where they they uh, caricature the things that are male. They wear suits and have fake mustaches yeah. and but, stuff, and that's a figure, different thing.
1: So these huh. girls just have really flamboyant makeup on. Yeah. They're wearing sequins, and they're just kind of dressed how, you know, uh, a male would dress in drag, but right. they're women. And, and I was one looking of the at dra- okay, go ahead. So I was looking at these pictures and I'm like trying to figure out I'm like so those they passed really well and then I you know noticed that they were actually women. So, but you almost can't tell who's a woman and who's not in the band.
0: Which is nice. One of the performers that was going to be at the Lancaster Public Library was a was a woman and a female drag queen. And this that was when I became aware that this was even a thing cuz I thought I, I don't know, I guess I just assumed that they were all male drag yeah. queens, but that clearly that's not the case, so good on these people for that mm-hmm. so the national I guess in that case, so are they really drag queens or are they just like I mean, if they're drag queens then D Snyder of Twisted Sister is a drag queen, right? yeah, I guess so. I mean he looks the part <laughs> when he's on stage. <laughs> right.
1: So, the Nashville musicians were just daydreaming about an all-woman dead tribute band, but soon landed on the idea of doing it in drag. This is a quote from Walker. I was like, it would still be an all-woman band if everyone was in drag. It was a joke, and I was like, wait, but how hilarious and amazing would it be? We were all cracking up at the idea of how joyful and irreverent that would be and how in the spirit of the Grateful Dead it would be. And thus Bertha, named after the Grateful Dead song, with the name stylized in all caps as Bertha, came to be.
0: Would that be in the style of the the Grateful Dead, though? Because as I said, I don't really know much about them. I mean, the Grateful
1: Dead really isn't, I mean, there's not really any drag going on in the Grateful Dead, but it is very hippie-like, you know, like... Free love, you know, yeah. just very positive very and very, yeah, a lot of tolerance there. I mean, like those are the true hippies who they don't care what you're doing as long as you're not hurting other people, which is kind of also in the style of libertarianism and,
0: you know, anarchists. It would be nice if people would stick to that maximum. Just don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Yeah, it's pretty simple. So Walker, the singer for the progressive bluegrass band
1: Front Country. Hold on,
0: progressive because I okay, <laughs> right. I'm from Mississippi, and I I remember when the the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou came from, and that was when everyone I knew began listening to bluegrass. Obviously, bluegrass had existed prior to that, but it mm-hmm. wasn't popular. And that that movie, as far as I could tell, especially in Mississippi. Repopularized bluegrass Which is historically From like the mountains Of Tennessee And the Kentucky area The Appalachian yeah. areas Not so much in Mississippi But it was a Progressive I mean it was As conservative As music could possibly get Right The only cons- more conservative Music would have been Freaking gospel. It's not really like that
1: anymore. I go to a lot of jam band slash bluegrass festivals, and it is kind of, um, I I would say it's pretty progressive these days, because the Grateful Dead is lightly based in bluegrass. The Grateful Dead is not really bluegrass, but they do have bluegrass roots. Um, and the Grateful Dead, before they were the Grateful Dead, kind of some of the members were previously in bluegrass bands in the '60s in California, so it kind of has turned more progressive and less conservative, and that so it's not super like because bluegrass it's not country, but it can kind of give those country vibes of
0: the banjo and whatnot. Well, it but. depends on what one means by country, right? Because the the old school country, the the blue not the bluegrass country, but from the same region, they they were. They were writing songs about shooting cops and oh, running yeah. from the cops, and very anti-state. But now you have like Toby Keith, and mm-hmm. there, there's someone someone down here with a life-size cutout of Toby Keith, and they they put rainbow socks on him and they made him like LGBT-friendly, and I absolutely love it because I know he would hate it. But anyway, so that style of country is all we love: government, we love God, nine eleven, that sort of thing. It's it's gross. When you consider what country came from, it would be like Rage Against the Machine singing a song glorifying the state. When When I hear yeah. country singers like Toby Keith doing their thing... And Rage Against the Machine would only be surprising because for so many years, they've marketed themselves as being against the machine. And recently, a lot of people learned that, you know, that was just a marketing place. Like, how did you not know that, dude, that it was obviously marketing from beginning to end? That just like with Tool, they market themselves as this, you know, this spiritual, mystical band, and it works. Ma- Rage yeah. Against the Machine market themselves as being anti-authoritarian, rebellious, and it worked. That doesn't mean they're actual rebellious and authoritarian. It means that you, you bought their marketing. Good job. It seems that way. So
1: when Tennessee's law restricting drag was introduced, they organized their first gig for April 29th at D Country Cocktail Lounge in Madison to raise money for local LGBTQ plus causes.
0: They did this. uh, That's Madison County, Tennessee. Yes. I'm assuming.
1: They That's the hardcore. I mean,
0: it's, it's hardcore to knowingly break one of these laws. Yeah, And th- this was one of the many, many issues I had with Caitlyn Jenner a number of years ago. North, the state of North Carolina passed a trans bathroom law where you had to use the bathroom of whatever it was on your birth certificate. Like, first of all, are you going to ask for my birth certificate if I go into the – do you expect me to carry my birth certificate around with me? But all of that aside, Caitlyn Jenner decided to handle this by going to Trump Tower in Las Vegas – and record herself going into the women's room to use it after Trump had already said that people in his properties could use whatever restrooms they wanted. So instead of actually going to the place where it would have been illegal and could have actually done some good and raised some awareness, she just went... She, she wants to be the Rosa Parks of the yeah. trans movement, but she only will sit on the buses where she knows she can pick her own seat. But all every trans person I've ever met cannot stand Caitlyn Jenner. So... The, for whatever that's worth. So good on these people, because I know how difficult that is, to get back to what I was saying. I know how difficult it is to know that something is illegal and to do it anyway. Civil disobedience is exactly what this is. We did it in Keene the entire COVID-19 lockdowns. And I don't know if it was successful or not, but we did it. And it was a lot of fun. We had, I had more fun during the COVID-19 lockdowns than I did outside of them, right? Because it, I'm not – it's not in my nature to go to a party and hang around at Central Square at midnight on a Friday, but as soon as the government said, you can't do that, I was out there that night doing exactly that. There's some – there is some truth to the, to the statement that if you – if the government banned libertarians from cutting their own heads off, then <laughs> there would be no more libertarians because they would all cut their own heads off. There is some truth to that.
1: So they packed the place out with a colorful performance dedicated to the dead's countercultural spirit and the group's many followers over the years who are women and or queer. It's honoring the fact that there have always been queer deadheads there have always been so many women in the scene, but maybe they haven't been uplifted and celebrated the way they should be, which is kind of a weird... Um, the Grateful Dead literally has a song called Women Are Smarter, so to say that the Grateful Dead doesn't really... or the culture of the Grateful Dead doesn't really uplift women isn't really... I mean, the the Grateful Dead doesn't really, like, speak up that much about LGBTQ plus issues. Sure, but, well, I wouldn't um, expect them to, right? I,
0: and I don't want to hear that. that that's... I don't want to hear an LGBTQ band always singing about LGBTQ stuff. Like yeah. just sing about normal stuff and be LGBTQ while you know that's one of the reasons that I prefer not to talk about trans things on the air and until conservatives went crazy this yeah. last year, I almost never did. Yeah, we were kind of forced to. Right. Because I I just I feel like I should be able to to do a radio show here to be a libertarian doing a radio show and be trans while I'm doing it without having to focus on the trans stuff.
1: Yeah. Um so it's honoring the facts that okay, I already read that part. So walk uh the group's set included songs that were inspired by their name, which would be Bertha, along with Brown-Eyed Women, Loose Lucy, Scarlet Begonias, Sugar Magnolia, and several others.
0: Marlene Tweedy Fargo, a local drag performer. Marlene Tweedy Fargo, that is Twitty, a, yeah. That is a hell of a name. Oh, Twitty. <laughs> like, yeah, like Twitty. Conway. Yeah.
1: Right, okay. <laughs> a local drag performer who performs hilariously raunchy reworks of popular country songs in her own band hosted the event, which has so far raised nearly $4,000 to be split between Inclusion, uh, Inclusion Tennessee, Trans Aid Nashville, and Williamson Co- County Trans Aid. Walker says they're already thinking about another benefit gig in a larger venue, and with Bertha's collective collectivist mentality, all of its members assume the name Bertha. It makes room for a revolving cast of players and special guests. So that's pretty cool. Oh, so they can okay. invite like guest singers and stuff like that. So the so bassist
0: is Bertha, the guitar player is Bertha, yeah. the singer is Bertha. They're okay. all Bertha. Yeah. That's nice. I, I no, like it's that. It's fun. I, I do that's an interesting take on the problem that musicians seem to have where you know everyone knows the singer yeah. and they don't know the other musicians and I, and I like that particular take on it. That's one way of dealing with it. Sounds good. And they're all Bertha.
1: Yep. We can be a rotating lineup. We can have special guest Berthas, Walker says.
0: I love it. Well, I guess typically we're Berthas as well here on Free Talk Live doing the show. Well, you are at least because I'm not really a deadhead. There is more coming up. From the Porcupine Freedom Festival, come hang out with us at RB 46. It is Free Talk Live.
2: On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are. Having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio, I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on join the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because. I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com 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 <laughs> Free Talk Live.
0: We are Free Talk Live and we are broadcasting from RV46 here at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White House of New Hampshire. Pork Fest Day Number 3. The Porkify Freedom Festival Day Number 3 has officially begun. Well, it, it began like you know, 13 hours ago or whatever. But it's an absolutely a wonderful event. More and more people are steadily coming in. Ian and Bonnie are here today. They're wandering around doing something... I, I wanted I wanted to ask them at some point they wanted to be on but you know their their time here is very limited I really doubt what they want to do is work right yeah go have fun yeah. but they I, but there are a lot of people here that I want to get on I, I mentioned the philosopher earlier uh, she did some sort of rap show sort of thing last oh, night oh cool it, yeah I I didn't I had heard from the Boston Globe reporter that's who is running around that there was a libertarian rap show going on. And I was like, all right, I will make sure to avoid that.
1: <laughs> exactly. My, my <laughs> thought. I'm glad we're on the same page area.
0: But as I was walking, I found someone's phone. So I wanted to take it to the pork rangers. And I just assumed they were at the bottom of the hill in the bowl. And sure enough, that turned out to be correct. But I ran into the philosopher as I was on my way down. And it turned out that she was among the musicians that was about to perform. So it wasn't simply libertarian rap. It was more complicated than that. But I want to get her on. The, I mean, uh, Angela McArdle is the national, she's the chair of the National Libertarian Party. The, their booth is right behind us. I, I would love to get her on at some point to talk about the Libertarian Party and how things are going there. But today, at the moment, none of those. And there's someone right here who's doing something I don't have in front of me now. Shepherds of Freedom. Everyone here, not everyone here, but a lot of people here are doing liberty things. And at Free Talk Live, we provide them with an opportunity to talk, To talk about the Liberty thing that they're doing. I, I love talking to them. I, I want to know what, what are you doing to make the world freer in your lifetime? And as it turns out here at the Porky My Freedom Festival, the answer is generally a lot, even if it's just agorism, right? Like little Zoe's down here, little t- libertarians who own a shop in Keen. All they're doing here, it, you know, aside from socializing and interacting with other libertarians, they just run a pizza place.
1: Yeah. And delicious, said, delicious pizza. Best in the state.
0: In it, it Oh,
1: I don't know. No, I, I stand by that. Best in the state. The take and bake, definitely.
0: But I'm not one of you New Englanders, and I don't like my pizza burned to a crisp like you guys do. Oh, so it, if I can take it home and bake it, yeah, uh, I'll give it to you. Best pizza in the state for sure. But if if I leave it upon them to cook it, it's going to be burned about three times more than I would like. I call it burned. They call it char. And they, uh, they liberta- uh, not libertarians, people in New England, they love that. And I work at a pizza place and this was jarring to me because I like mine par baked, like slightly not baked. Enough. Al dante. I don't know. Maybe? <laughs> I don't think you can use that term for pizza, but I, don't
1: I just don't know what that did. means. Well, it's par- like when you cook pasta and it still has a little chewiness to it. Okay.
0: Yeah, maybe. I I want it done, right? I don't want to bite into a mouthful of dough. But I do like it to to be just shy of golden brown. And everyone in New England is like, no, we want our crust black. We want it blacker than coffee. And that's just how they like it. And little Zoe's, their, their first year here, I saw this and I was like, and I was still living in Mississippi then, but I was here for the Book of My Freedom Festival. And I saw people walking away with these pizzas that were black on the edges. And I said, can you, can you undercook mine a little bit? And they said, yeah, we'll do that. And I mean, I, I believe they did it, but it wasn't what I would describe as undercooked. <laughs> but to New Englanders, again, burned is done and well done is almost burned. It's all very confusing, but that's all they're doing, right? It's just straight up agorism. They're they're not out there running for office and running libertarian organizations. They're just making pizza. They're they're feeding libertarians who are doing other things. And all of this is necessary. They actually, and Azria here, my dog, who someone, some libertarian, some well-meaning libertarian walked through and he had found a squeaker ball and he gave it to her. Now she doesn't have any squeaker toys for, well, that I gave and her. And why is that? Well, it's because I, I used to buy her these because I love her more than I hate myself, right? So if, if she wants, if she wants this squeaker toy, I'm gonna give it to her usually. And they have these at Walmart. They're like $4, and it's just this rubber squeaky toy that's bacon-flavored. Oh, that's fun. They are her favorite thing in the universe. But she will sit in front of me when I would sit on my couch and try to play the new Zelda game or something. She would just sit in front of me, chewing it and squeaking it right in front of my face for hours at a time. It's like the
1: same reason why you don't buy your three-year-old a drum set or like a keyboard or something. It's just annoying.
0: But with the squeaker, (laughs) for whatever reason, dogs who have super sensitive hearing... They get off on the squeaking like they like it. It, They they love it. It's the best thing ever. Well, it sounds like prey, right? Isn't that the? Is that why? I think that's the
1: logic behind it. Is it kind of sounds like prey? That's what I would assume, and I think I've heard that before. But she wouldn't know what what to do
0: with prey, right? The poor thing is, she saw a bug and she she would just try to be its friend. She she's so sweet and and innocent in that regard. That's that's why she gets along so well with my cats because she was, you know, 8 weeks old when she met my cats and my cats were just barely smaller than her then and, and they laid down the law immediately <laughs> and she she wants to be friends with them so badly mikey and olivia's cat is staying with me in the hotel room here and that's patches by the way he's an absolutely gorgeous cat and they don't want to leave him alone alone at home and i'm bringing my cats anyway and you know patches live with me for a year and a half so yeah absolutely bring him i'll take him he's used to my cats patches loves this cat and he loves her and they they are so cute together and the way they play is you know she likes putting her mouth on things as as one does and patches is a cat so he likes batting and he will play with i have pictures of patches just sinking his claws into her eyeball and she's just smiling and wagging her tenless duck because she doesn't know how to, she learned how to play from cats so when you play with her and she raised her hand and tried to smack you like that's why she's when she was eight weeks old she was learning the ropes from cats and they, they taught her well because she's super nice to cats, but in general, she is a golden retriever, so she's nice to everything, right? Yeah. Like, there, there are rabbits that lived in my backyard, and I wish I could com- convey to the rabbits that she wouldn't hurt them because she wouldn't. Oh, she wants to play, and they're scared of her. Yeah, she just wants to be their friend, right? That, that's her world, and it's a, it's a beautiful world that she lives in. We, as people, should strive to be more like her. There are no enemies. Everyone is a friend, and everything is playing. Yeah. And that that's that's beautiful. I've learned that from her that everyone is a friend. Yep. If all people had golden
1: retriever brains, the world would be a better place. We would have achieved world peace. I, there would no. be no
0: war. No. And I was amazed to learn that about 3 people a year are killed By golden retrievers in the United States, about three. What the hell do you have to do to a golden retriever to get it to attack you? I could beat her with a two by four. I would never do this, obviously. Of course not. But I could beat her with a two by four, and she would not bite me. And I'm sad even thinking about someone abusing her like that because I love her to death. But Mm. the point is that. I know golden retrievers fairly well, especially at this point, and she doesn't have a malicious or bitter or vicious bone in her body. She she just loves people, and she loves everything. So golden retrievers killing three people a year, very, very odd. I, I don't know how one goes about making that happen. But we're talking here about the Grateful Drag, a drag show that is, they they don't perform regularly. They put on benefit concerts, apparently, and I would love for them to come to New Hampshire and put on a benefit concert. Yeah, Uh, that's a
1: great idea. I would love to message them. I don't know if they travel to, they're based out of Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know if they do too much traveling, but I would love to have
0: them come up here. It's probably a big ask. From, yeah, to get from Nashville to here. The the next show I was going to go see was Guar and Butcher Babies in July, in late July, like July the twenty eighth or something along those lines. It's, it's in Massachusetts, and the Butcher Babies are my favorite band. It, it's really close. I, I may like Infected Rain a little bit more, but it, it's it's irrelevant when you get to the Butcher Babies and Infected Rain. And forever still, and a bunch of other female-driven bands. It, it's indistinguishable for me. I can listen to any of them, but they're touring again as they do every year. And this year they're on tour with Guar, who I'm not a big fan of, but one of my one of my good one of my I don't want I hate the term best friends, but that's the best way to characterize it. One of my best friends. That's his favorite band. So it's like my favorite band and his favorite band are doing a tour together, and it's like a match made in heaven. But I'm going to be in prison when this. So I bought five tickets. Right, just. Because that's what I do is butcher babies in guar. Yeah, I'm buying tickets. It'll work itself out, right? But no, I'm going to be in prison. But you're still going to I this concert. I am still going. I've got to remember We're going to have
1: to get like an Aria cardboard cutout. Okay. Because we are all going to be very, very <laughs> sad that you're not there. And we're, we're still going to have a good time. But it is going to be very difficult to be there without our friend oh, so we're gonna have to uh well the the feds should be sorry you don't have to be sorry uh but we're maybe we'll get like an aria cardboard cutout and then that can be something we can have fun with so maybe we'll we'll have to do something like that That'd be and fantastic. that will also
0: be hilarious i wanted to get one of those for like the studio a number of years ago for when we do the show here right now we just we just have my portrait printed on a, on one of the pictures of me that we uh, that Ian tapes to a chair. But we wanted to do cardboard cutouts at some point, but it wasn't cost-feasible to do it. Yeah. it it's it's too expensive for the joke. However, oh, good news for you, maybe. I I had two tickets. I was inviting a girl that I have been talking to off and on for the last several months, and we were go- she was going to go with me. But I've offered the tickets instead to Katie and her boyfriend. Oh, awesome. I and, didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't think about this until the day after the wedding when someone reminded me about the concert and I was like, oh, Katie went to see, I I was talking to my friend EJ about the concert and I I said, oh, Katie, you know, Katie, wait, it's all coming together. I have two extra tickets. Katie and her boyfriend may want to go. They may also not want to go though, because I don't think he had a lot of fun at the Lacuna Coil Butcher Babies concert. So I he, live for music, he, so if you hate music, sorry, to yeah. watch something else today.
1: <laughs> so he, um, that was his first concert, I believe. Uh, he, holy loves, crap, seriously! Yeah, so he loves metal music, like he really, really loves all of those bands that we saw. But it, it was that venue was very intimate, very loud. Uh, I mean, it we was. were standing right in front of the speakers, and I was deaf for yeah. at least. 24 hours and I, I still had, hear
0: the snare Occasionally
1: yeah. <laughs> And I had a ringing In my ears For at least four days So uh, Yes So even standing In the back If you're not used To that really Really loud Metal music it, it can be a lot For some people Who aren't Like Oh this isn't Your 500th concert This is your f- Fourth concert Yeah that might be uh,
0: Well then we yeah. don't Want to send him To GWAR Because I bought Pit tickets oh. And this is GWAR uh, well, You're, you're I mean, going to get Covered in fake blood And vomit And fake semen and, and all of I that. I mean, you st- can't pass that up, though. I know, but if if you I was actually off- <laughs> I, so,
1: this is funny. I was considering wearing one of my wedding dresses to Guar. Oh my god, because that be my amazing. one of my really really good friends and co-workers Brittany, loves Guar as well. And I actually invited her to that show and she wasn't able to go. Well uh that's like Well I've got two but, tickets. Katie hasn't confirmed yeah. yet. But she told me that last time she went to see Guar, she saw a woman wearing a full blown wedding gown. And that's I'm brilliant. like, once she said that, I was like, Man, that's after my wedding. I am doing that. So I might not wear my really expensive one. I might wear one of like my reception dresses. But it is happening. I'm wearing a white dress to Guar. It is going to get covered in fake blood that and awesome. I'm going I to it. like
0: hang it up on my wall. Yeah. Cause Guar puts on a show. They are unique as far as metal bands go. Oh, absolutely. They, they come out wearing costumes. They, they have a rotating cast as well. It's not a rotating cast, but the members have changed over the years. And I think they only have one member now who is a founding member or maybe none of them are. I didn't know that. Yeah. So cause, cause they all wear masks. So who knows? However, they can, they perform and they, they put on a show with fake blood and, Fake vomit and fake semen, and it gets really, really messy. But it's a <laughs> lot of fun. So I, I was really looking, I've never seen War, but I was looking forward to it for that reason. Plus, the Butcher Babies will have just released their new album. They're releasing a new album right after I go to prison, like July the 12th, I think. I almost messaged them on Twitter because they respond to me on Twitter when I talk to them because they're not a huge band, right? If you actually tweet at them, they will likely see it and respond. But I almost message them, like, hey, you know, I'm going to prison. So can I get like a sneak peek? I'll, I'll pay you for it. Like, I'll cash up you 20 bucks or whatever. But can I listen to it in advance? Because who knows? They might say, yeah. I mean, they know me from previous concerts, as we've talked about here on the show previously. It's easy to pick me out out of a crowd. And they I've been in their crowd many times. And they do play smaller, more intimate venues usually. And I've seen them now in Kentucky, New York several times, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Connecticut. At one point here in New Hampshire, wow. I've seen them. they I've seen them more than any other band. And again, me being recognizable, it was inevitable that at some point, Heidi was like, "Yeah, we remember you from the previous show." Because I also tend to like buy VIP tickets and things oh, yeah. like that. So it's it's fun. And. I was, I forgot my, I lost my train of thought entirely on that exact note, but uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe get a chance to listen to the album early because they're slowly releasing more and more songs and everything I've heard so far was good, but I want to hear the full thing and that's coming out next month. And I'm not, I'm not, being paid by butcher babies to promote things. I am being paid to promote Dash, though, and I want to tell you about that. It's a cryptocurrency that you can use here at the Brooklyn My Freedom Festival and at more than 150,000 locations throughout the United States. That's right, you can use cryptocurrency at more than 150,000 locations throughout the US, but it has to be Dash. And it's through the Dash Direct app, which gives you a discount. We're using it up 1%, 2%, all the way up to 8 or 9% just for using a good currency. And that, that's what makes Dash special is that they want it to be used as currency. Dash is actually short for digital cash. And they want people out there spending it. They want it moving around. They don't want you to hodl it. And that's amazing. That's what we need in order for cryptocurrency to truly be successful is people buying and selling and trading all sorts of things in Dash, in cryptocurrency, and Dash Direct makes that possible. So I want to say thank you to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for paying us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can find out more about it at Dash.org. Again, they are driven by allowing you to buy and sell things in Dash, and a lot of their efforts are directed solely for that purpose. Again, Dash.org to learn more about it. Like they used to do Dash back. Which would anytime you went into a location and you spent Dash, you got back ten percent of whatever you spent. It was initially five dollars, but that was obviously not not a good idea because you' could go in and buy a dollar soft drink and get back five dollars yeah. in dash. so percentages yeah. usually work a little bit better for stuff like that. and there's a lot of di- there's a lot of discussion about which is actually better, right? Like a discount or a rebate? And the question is a bit. Different because it's an instant rebate and that changes things. It's not a rebate that you have to mail in with Dashback, which no longer exists, I don't think, but you would get it instantaneously. Would you rather have 5% off of your purchase or would you rather get 5% back? And it's almost an inconsequential difference. The math does work out where it's better to get 5% off, but it's better because that turns out to be like 4.9% or whatever. I don't remember the math off the top of my head, but people prefer the discount yeah. if i remember correctly I prefer over the, the rebate. discount yeah. yeah and maybe this is because rebates in our heads is, it's it's a hassle it, almost everything i've ever bought every piece of equipment or music equipment or t- audio video equipment had some sort of rebate get 10 dollars off or 20 dollars back or whatever if you fill out this card and mail it in i've done exactly zero of those and i don't see myself doing them anytime soon cuz it's just a hassle I didn't even want to do the the Nelson family thing. Well, I got in the mail. I'm a, I'm a Nelson household, apparently. Nielsen. Which uh, they survey you to find out what you're watching, what you're listening to. Oh, I didn't know this. So obviously, I heavily promoted Free Talk Live. I, I listen to Free Talk Live and only Free Talk Live. And then then I watched the video shows of Free Talk Live. I did that. And then they sent me another one accidentally. And so I gave it to Bonnie, who presumably did the same thing. Yeah. So... That, that result is going to be a bit skewed, but I don't watch a lot of television or crap anyway, so what what the hell else would I pick? But I do love music, and I've never been a particularly big fan of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I, between the Beatles, I, I consider the Rolling Stones to be sort of an anti-Beatles, and I've, I've never understood what the appeal was the of British the Beatles. The British invasion, you know? Yeah, but I, never, I don't understand the appeal of the Beatles. That, so... <laughs> Well, I mean, the music is not, the lyrics are stupid more often than not so and
1: pointless. The Beatles are interesting because, so the Beatles was my first favorite band when I was like four or five years old. Um, And I do, I, I really enjoy the Beatles. Okay, so, so I'm talking to what, someone who
0: knows. Yeah. Okay, great. So
1: what's interesting about the Beatles is throughout the years, they changed and evolved a lot. Kind of. Based on what drugs they were doing at the time. Okay. Um, But they started off as doing a lot of covers, like a lot of bands in the early 60s did, you know, heavy on the covers, um, love songs, ballads, stuff like that. Uh, And then they kind of evolved into doing, you know, more original music, things that were a little bit more musically advanced. And then once they started doing LSD and they visited India, then, um, you know, George Harrison got a sitar, Um, And they kind of got a little bit more spiritual in their lyrics, but over the, the eras of the Beatles, their music has changed drastically. So album to album, you will almost have a completely different genre of music. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just know like the Beatles greatest hits. Uh, but for some reason, I don't know, it, it started when I was really, really young, like literally four years old. I was just like, I love the Beatles. Anytime, you know, a, a song would be playing on the radio, I would ask my dad, is this the Beatles? And he's like, no, this is, you know, Steve Miller Band or something. But I was just really obsessed with them for whatever reason. And then as I got older, started collecting vinyls, started getting more serious about listening. I always listening. that you collect those. Yeah, yeah. About like once I started getting more serious about studying music and, you know, like collecting vinyls, whatever. Um, I started to to get more into the just the the differences and the Beatles over the years. So it's it's an interesting band, and of course it's you know I, they were huge. They were a huge band, the type of band that women would go to their concerts and they would faint. And they were just so outrageously famous in the sixties. Um, Similar they kind to of, like
0: Taylor Swift today,
1: yeah, almost except yeah. It, you could kind of compare it to that. I don't think they were, like, ripping people off on concert tickets like Taylor Swift. <laughs> and, of course, that has a lot to do with Ticketmaster and, you know, those the right, websites she, that are
0: charging ridiculous fees. Yeah, but she um, came out criticizing Ticketmaster. And good. She, Everybody should criticize right.
1: Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster sucks.
0: And she wanted, to, she wanted to make sure that they could handle the demand and all of this other crap that she said because she's Taylor Swift. She's the most successful musician in the world right now. She wanted to make sure they could handle it. They're like, yeah, we got it. It, it's fine and they couldn't mm-hmm. handle it and of course the ticket price is thousands i have a friend who spent yeah. six thousand dollars to see her in boston what the hell is the matter with you i would if pay I six
1: thousand pay... dollars to never hear taylor swift ever again
0: i don't hate her music that much but if <laughs> that I was put... me being dramatic sure but... But if I pay six thousand dollars from Taylor Swift, I better get some benefits in the back alley, you know? Yeah, you know, right. Better, <laughs> if, Does this concert come with a happy ending? I mean, it, six grand, freaking better. I can't. Imma- the most I've ever paid for a t- concert ticket was four hundred dollars, and that was to see Tool. And yeah, that was off of their new album, and I I regret that. I I hate that I did that then because it's overpriced and not worth it. Yeah, and you know, but it it was fun, and I, I don't regret it. I'm just like, wow, I really did spend four hundred dollars to go. Listen to Tool for an hour and a half. They almost yeah. finished two songs. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, even so, I'm going to see Dead and Company on this Sunday, and pit tickets, even for Dead and Company, a Grateful Dead band, are going for like almost
0: $1,000. Crazy. Coming up, there is a new Beatles song, apparently. We're going to talk about that. Generated in part by AI. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Pork Fest, Porky Pine Freedom Festival, day number three is well underway here. And there are events happening everywhere. This is one of the better things about the decentralization of the Porky Pine Freedom Festival over the last several years is that previously, the only events that really happened were at the hill down there, at the pavilion. And now there are events taking place everywhere. I mean, it's always been the case. That there were events taking place everywhere, right? That that's not new. There have always been random campsites, and of course the Free Talk Live site has been here for twenty years. Well, I don't know exactly when our first Fork Fest, Perky Fine Freedom Festival was, but been here for a very long time. And people are always doing various things. But now they can actually have their events on the actual Pork Fest schedule.
1: Yeah, and they have the different hubs too, so you can register your site as a hub with you know, the pork the yeah, the the Porcupine Freedom Festival website. um, so people will know where to go for different events. So yeah, I like that evolution.
0: It's great. I do too. The only criticism I have of it is that it's there's no filtering and search options available on the schedule. Like, yeah. I would love to see just the pavilion or get, it, get the option to turn venues on and off. So, and also
1: someone uh, made their own, they basically took the Pork Fest schedule from the Pork Fest website and made their own calendar of it. So there are like different variations of the calendar floating around there, which is like such a libertarian thing to do. To be like, yeah. well, you didn't really do a great job, so I'm going to
0: just do my own thing and do it better. I so, just realized something. Uh, The libertarians out there organizing this thing like Dennis Pratt and Constance, what you guys need to do is you need to go to a rock music festival, something like Incarceration or Louder Than Life, a a multi-day music festival with multiple stages and you need to pay very close attention to their schedule yeah. and their maps and how they do it. Yeah, because music festivals are typically very
1: good at that. They'll have, you know, the different stages and then it's so much easier to read than the Pork Fest schedule or they could just hire a nerd to make a better calendar for the Pork Fest. I mean, it's really
0: not that hard. No, it's not. And I I mean, all you know Dennis does great work, but I do suspect he did this himself. And one person can't be the best at everything. So hiring someone to have done this or getting a volunteer to do it would have been fantastic. But I think it's just a matter of not knowing that it was really necessary in this particular case. And I think that going to a music festival, because I still have the incarceration app installed on my phone, and I think I still have the Louder Than Life apps installed on my phone, and it is night and day being able to monitor these festivals versus being able to monitor the schedule of the porcupine freedom festival. I can filter by venue, by stage, by time, by day, and all of these other things. I just can't do it. That's just, that's a tiny criticism. And the porcupine freedom festival is still fantastic. There's also a lot more events going
1: on at Porkfest than there would be at a music festival since it's so decentralized. And you can pretty much anyone can host their own event and get it onto the Porkfest schedule. Um, And there's so many different hubs, a lot more so than your typical music festival. So it does that schedule does get crowded and you'll be scrolling down it and there will be, you know,
0: 10 different events scheduled for noon.
1: So, just
0: for example. Right, and what I like about it is that the Porcupine Freedom Festival doesn't put, like, its official speakers and events above or greater than. Yeah, it's all together. The, yeah, and I, I would sort of expect that, like, ones at the pavilion would be bolded or italicized or something. In fact, that would probably be useful, but they, they didn't do that. They just It's all equal, and it's right there on the schedule, and honestly, good luck trying to find whatever it is that you're looking for. Like, I wanted to see what was happening today, and after about three minutes of it I was like yeah no I'm not this is a lot of scrolling yeah. like honestly the odds of me wanting to go see see this random thing there's no ability to filter by interests either and I realized that that's a taller order than being able to turn venues on and off but yeah some basic tags from people okay I'm not interested in raising children turn children off right and that would remove those venues from or those events from my list yeah just just thinking out loud here, you know, none of this is necessary. The event, absolutely beautiful. You got to come check it out. There is still time. We are here until the 25th at Rogers Campground, but it is June the 21st. And that means that less than a week to go for me before I'm in prison. And as mentioned, for those just not tuning in who, are, who only get the second hour of the show, I am going to federal prison to Devons, Massachusetts, the... FMC there, that's the Federal Medical Correctional Facility, and from what I can tell, they're choosing to put me in a medical facility for the same reason they kept me in a medical cell when I was arrested in March the 16th of 2021. It's just, it's easier for them, and they don't want to put trans women in the women's prison. It's just so strange because it,
1: it is like, are they trying to insinuate that being trans is like an illness like are you sick or I don't know why they would choose a
0: medical facility well they do sort of suggest that trans people are mentally ill and that, that's common in the medical health industry right? Like I wanted to get a boob job 5 or 6 years ago, not that long ago. 3 or 4 years ago maybe. And it was about $6,000 relatively reasonable. I was like, "All right, yeah, I'll do this." But the guy said, "All right, well, I need a letter from your therapist approving this." And I was like, what do you what do you mean? I don't have a therapist. I, what do you you don't have a therapist? No, why the hell would I have I, I'm fine. I don't need a therapist. I'm sitting here in front of you. I'm a paying customer. I will give you six thousand dollars in cash. Let's do this thing. Uh, no, I, I, I have. It's industry standard. I have to have a note of approval from a therapist before I can do this. But you don't require that of cis women for yeah. for a breast implants, or and and there are plenty of men who get these things done. And just for trolling purposes, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I, this has I, happened.
1: Yeah, I heard of a story on um, that show, botched. Mm, a man yeah. lost a bet, and he went through with it and got a uh, breast augmentation. And then, like, I think it took him, like, five or ten years to finally be like, ah, maybe I
0: should get these removed since... But, it was I all mean, about a bet in the first place. But yeah, it's completely crazy. The, it, it, suge- it didn't just suggest, it stated outright that because I'm trans, I must be mentally ill and incapable of making my own medical decisions. I need a therapist to make those those yeah. decisions for me. And that was just disgusting.
2: And
1: I actually know of one woman who got a breast augmentation when she was, I believe, 18 years old, in which, I mean, I would think that a... You know, trans woman in her thirties would probably be more better able to make a decision like whether or not to get a breast augmentation than an eighteen year old girl, but whatever. And this woman ended up having really, they were, her body was rejecting them. And she got very, very sick over them. And this wasn't even a a complication that they warned her about. She had absolutely no clue that this might be a possibility. So it's just crazy to me that they are letting, you know, young women do this. Which, you know, I I do think that an 18-year-old woman should be able to get a breast augmentation if she wants to. But
0: so should trans women. And don't get me started on surgeons, man, and how they, they don't tell you what could go wrong. And I, I've had two surgeries. I had forehead um, f- contouring and brow lift surgery, and I had vocal surgery and a trachea shaving. And I, I was not informed that I could. My voice now is significantly weaker than it has ever been. And I have to turn myself up significantly higher than ever before in order to be heard. And there's just something off about my voice. And it is higher pitched. And it's not clear until I go back through and I listen to some episodes of the show from like four or five years ago, prior to the surgery, just how much has changed. But like Ian's like, I don't hear a difference at all. If if you go back and directly compare, there's a huge difference. But I wasn't warned that um, I could be raspy for the rest of my life, which is an ongoing issue. We've learned that that's due to acid reflux, believe it or not. Oh, And these these surgeons suggested I start taking some something like that. Omeprazole. Yes, that's it. Thank you. For acid reflux and I was like well I don't have acid reflux but most of the people in my family do so I started taking it and I've noticed very quickly that sure enough if I take it every single day, once in the morning and then once at the evening as I'm supposed to, my voice doesn't usually get that scratchy quality to it. So he but would, then you have to take a medication that you right. wouldn't have otherwise needed. Well, I did otherwise need it. I, okay. the, the raspiness had been an issue through all of my life. I just thought it was from smoking, right? Mm-hmm. But no, it was ultimately from acid reflux. Okay. okay. I did not know I had that. However, the, the Adam's apple reduction... I'm not at all happy with it, and I, I'm not, I, I feel like my Adam's apple is more prominent now than it was prior to the surgery. And he insists that, no, they, they did a full removal, because sometimes they can fully remove it, and sometimes they can't. He insists that they did a full removal, and what's prominent here is the larynx, not an Adam's apple. And then he made the argument that, well, you know, there's this doctor in California, is actually doing research right now that shows, and having a prominent apple, Adam's apple is actually more feminine. And I'm like, dude, I don't need you to gaslight me about yeah. femininity and Adam's apples here. Just, just say, I didn't get the result that I wanted, and you didn't tell me that what we were looking. I'm like, dude, you you should have warned me. Like, hey, look. What you're wanting removed there? That's not your Adam's apple. That's your that's your trachea. We can't take that out. Or you yeah,
1: you would think a good surgeon would do that. And I have some friends who go to get Botox and just like uh, non-surgical cosmetic procedures, yeah. basically. And her, the woman that does it for her, is very honest with them. If they say, "Oh, I want to get this done," and she doesn't think that they will get the results she wants, or if it's just not possible to get the result that they want, she. The, this woman that is, um, I don't know what she would be called, you know, practitioner, whatever. She is very honest with them. And she's like, I'm not going to do it because you either don't need that or um, it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. So I would think a good um, surgeon would be honest about those things and say hey i'm not just going to take your money um and maybe have more of a conversation about it and get deeper into those things and you know speak with clients about what they really want what end results they really want from these procedures not just like oh okay i'm going to take your money and you know do what i think you want done
0: that is how i feel this went down especially with the most recent one the the brow lift and forehead uh, contouring thing i'm Super happy with the, the physical look at the results. Like, yes, it did exactly what I expected it to do. It made my forehead more feminine. Great. However... I've got two bumps here, one here and one here that are pretty much exactly where a demon's horns would be, interestingly enough, that were not there previously. And my hair got cut in the process. He cut off half of the length of my hair. My hair used to be down, yeah. down here. And I didn't get I didn't get that cut off, right? But prior to the surgery, my hair was normal length. And then the next time I was on Free Talk Live afterward, my hair was way the hell up here. And he denies having done that. And he denies a few other things in regard to the surgery, just, just minor little issues like these bumps. I'm like, dude, you, you should make these bumps go away, right? Plus, I shouldn't have had to spend weeks in agonizing pain with a monstrous headache as a result of this. You never told me that my forehead would you, would feel like this after the fact. Like, I'm six months, no, wait, I'm almost a year past at this point. And my, my head is still not 100% right. It's not the same. And I wasn't told any of this would be the case or any of this even could happen. But the vocal surgery is the biggest issue because he just. When the last time I co- talk, I got a year thing is like, hey, it's been a year since your surgery is an automatically generated email. So I responded back saying, yeah, I, I'm not a litigious person and I'm not a compla- I'm not a Karen, so I was never going to bring this up. But you guys asked, so no, I'm not happy with the results. So I complained about my voice and how it didn't seem to be any different. How it was sc- scratchy and raspy. And uh, there was some other issue that I outlined with them. And I don't remember exactly what it was. And it's really not worth getting into all of it. It's just I would not have brought it up otherwise if they hadn't brought it up. I was never truly informed about what the consequences would be. And their suggestion was, oh, well, yeah, yeah. here's a number for a speech therapist. And, you know, work with this speech therapist for six months. Are you going to pay for this? Or am I supposed to pay for this? Yeah, I'd because pay- it wasn't right. an issue before, right? <laughs> right. Well, and if I wanted to do a year of speech therapy and vocal training, then I wouldn't have gotten the surgery. The whole point of the surgery was to feminize my voice so I wouldn't have to continually pay attention around the clock to my tone, my inflection, and my pitch. But I'm going to have to do that anyway, just to get. So if I have to go through that vocal training anyway, then what the hell was the point of the surgery? Yeah. But
1: and I do think it's helpful that you're voicing your concerns and your results of your surgeries because you know, a lot of people might be wanting to get these procedures and they don't. It's not always easy to get an honest um, review yeah. of procedures like this. You know, you might like because I'm sure you did a ton of research before you got these things and. I just think the more people speak out about their results of different sort of, and any procedure, not just plastic surgery or cosmetic surgery, I mean, any procedure they get, I think that's really helpful.
0: I would highly recommend against any sort of vocal surgery, or um, maybe a trachea shaving will be fine if the doctor agrees that that's actually your Adam's apple and not your voice box or whatever, but the forehead contouring would recommend it it did what it was supposed to do. And other than the the bumps here that are the side effects that, I haven't even brought it up with them because I brought up other stuff. And then I was like, I don't, I don't have time for this because I'm getting sentenced to federal prison. And yeah, it's just, not
1: the biggest issue yeah, at the not, moment. Not worth it. Uh,
0: they'll, they'll go away at some point probably or they won't in any way. My hair usually covers it up anyways. It's, it's not worth fighting about. I don't care. I want to get on with my life. But in other things getting on with is technology. And artificial intelligence is a subject that we love here on Free Talk Live. We love talking about it. And I think most of us love artificial intelligence as an idea. I, I love AI art. It's very controversial for some reason to say that you love AI art, but like all of the work on my websites, uh com and aria com, is AI art. With the exception of the header for Demezzo Gaming that I paid someone years ago to make and it's really good. But AI art is cheap, it's easy and it's faster and I and I don't feel like I'm bugging the artificial intelligence. I hired an artist recently to hire to make some uh, visual interfaces for She Talk Live, which incidentally we're doing now here at Free Talk Live. They were just supposed to take the video layouts. The, what, I can't think of the word I'm looking for here. All of the stuff that you have. The banners? Um, uh, but it includes banners. But there's a term for it for that. Layout, But the video layouts that we use on Free Talk Live, they're supposed to take that and modify it to She Talk Live and make it look professional and great and all that so that on Wednesdays, I could just load that up and we could go. But what I got was an entire redoing of the logos and everything in regard to Free Talk Live, not... And it's difficult to explain what I mean to people who aren't familiar with the show. Like, okay, no, look, the show is called Free Talk Live. But on Wednesdays when we do it, it's it's still Free Talk Live. But we call it She Talk Live. And trying to explain that to someone who isn't familiar with it, just it did not happen. And she turned out to be, I think, Pakistani anyway. So, so a little a l-
1: bit of a language barrier there also. Bit.
0: And she did not understand what I was saying. And it
1: came out good, but it, it was just different than what you wanted
0: it was very different from what I wanted. I, I, but and if I told an artificial intelligence to make me these templates or to make me a layout for video streaming, it, I don't think it could do it either. But I, I would at least not feel like I was bugging someone by or insulting them. Like, hey, look, this is not at all what I meant. Uh, so let me let me rephrase this. I know you just put you know two hours into this, but with artificial intelligence, it took thirty seconds, right? And it's coming. Whether we like it or not, I look forward to the world where I can just tell an artificial intelligence, hey, I love Doctor Who featuring uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant. So give me a brand new episode of Doctor Who featuring those two actors battling the Daleks. Give me a whole season about that. And it just spontaneously generates me a, a new episode of Doctor Who featuring Matt Smith and David Tennant and the Daleks. Yeah, I mean,
1: a artificial intelligence might get to the point where it could do that for you and actually it will have it be good. At this point, um, I'm sure you've seen some of the, like, the commercials that people will do. And it's like, oh, this is a commercial for Burger King. And it's just something like completely silly and ridiculous. Uh, and some of the AI art is very good. Some of it's a little, like, you can tell something's yeah. not quite right. Like, it tried its best. It was close, but the arm's on backwards, or the the hand has no fingers
0: or something. Or eight fingers yeah. sometimes. It def- AI definitely struggles with heads, but I do believe that artificial intelligence, it will get to that point. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but artificial intelligence, like most things with technology, it increases exponentially. Uh, like the internet increases exponentially back in 1999, no one would have predicted that I would be able to live stream a radio show here from the mountains of New Hampshire. It's true. And it be video, maybe audio. And they they probably wouldn't even believe that was possible, especially from something the size of my phone. But just in 30 years, that's where it's gone. So I don't know where artificial intelligence will really go, but I look forward to that because that to me, that that's amazing. Yes, it makes artists obsolete. It makes actors it, it doesn't really make actors obsolete because there are new actors who can give you new templates for artificial intelligence to work with and writers to come up with new ideas for those actors to do. So there there will always be these things, but if I could just tell artificial intelligence, "Give me a new episode of Star Trek the Next Generation." And it just automatically generates it. That's that's beautiful. That's a wonderful thing or Give me a new Metallica album in the, in the style of Reload. Let's call it Three Load. Give me a, one of those, AI, and it'll do it one day. And I look forward to that. It's already There's already AI podcasts. Uh, there, I don't remember what it's called now, podcast.ai, maybe. But it's just someone who uses artificial intelligence to create a script featuring two people, living or dead, Sometimes imaginary, like never having, like Harry Potter or whatever, being interviewed by someone else. The one that I heard was Elon Musk—not Elon Musk—Steve uh, R- Joe, Joe Rogan interviewing Steve uh, Jobs from Apple. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yes, thank you. I, I struggled with those names just now, man. I, there's so many people. So, and that was interesting, and it was—it sounded real. It mimicked their voices. And I would never have known that that wasn't really Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs. It was a bit stilted at the beginning, but after three or four minutes, I was like, "No, this just sounds like a conversation between Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs. This is good It's kind of creepy because you
1: sometimes it's like you don't know what is real in in the world of deep fakes where you oh know, that's it's already coming. you know it's already really easy to photoshop things very well and you know make things." appear different, differently than they truly are. But now it's getting to the point where you can just plug things into an AI and say, hey, I want this. Hey, I want that. I want a video of this. I want a picture of this. I want a podcast of that. And, you know, I I do think that can be a very dangerous thing. I don't think, you know, some people are advocating for, I mean, Elon Musk was saying, oh, we need more legislation around AI to protect people. And some people just well, want it he- shut down altogether. You can't shut something like this down. It's not possible. Um, And I don't think restricting it and making, creating laws around it, that's not going to help. It's probably going to make it worse, if anything.
0: And because the people who make these laws, I mean, no one in Congress is an artificial intelligence. These are boomers, guys. I don't want to, I'm not going to ask my grandmother what her opinion on artificial intelligence is. Because I don't care. She doesn't know anywhere near enough about it to have a worthwhile, she's not dumb. Don't get me wrong, my grandmother's not dumb. She has a different set of knowledge. Right. But she doesn't know anywhere near enough about technology and the implications of artificial intelligence to make one of these decisions. Plus, not to be too cold, but... She's like, in her 90s, the people in Congress, they're old. They're not going to be around long enough to really deal with the consequences, the BS, they're legislating. And I, I, for one, don't think we should have a legislative body filled with people who will die for sure before the full consequences of their legislations come to realization. Absolutely. I completely agree with that and they they're certainly not knowledgeable enough to legislate in regard to artificial intelligence. So what will they do? They will do the same thing they always do. They will bring in quote the experts. They will bring in the big companies, the, the the multi-billion dollar CEOs will come in and they will tell Congress what Congress needs to do. And incidentally, by sheer magical coincidence, all of these suggestions that these big CEOs will have will just so happen to cement their positions at the top of the field and will prevent competition from rising from the bottom of the field. And it's happened in every single industry that I've seen. This is why Coinbase was out there petitioning the federal government to to try to create the regulations about cryptocurrency and what the regulations would be and how they would work. Hmm. Coinbase deliberately, they set out to do this. This was their mission from day one. And, and they it were, backfired on them. It did spectacularly. So. A few years ago, they sent someone to Washington, D.C. in order to, you know, some lobbyists doing lobbying thing. And the SEC, the Security and Exchanges Commission, was the only governmental body that refused to meet with them. And, you know, Gensler brought charges against them a few days later. And I hate Coinbase. I swear to God, I hate Coinbase. They are the devil. Mm-hmm. But they are the lesser devil. Yeah, I hate the federal government way more than
1: I yes. hate Coinbase.
0: So I'm I'm in a really difficult position here of watching two devils fight one another. And one of them is a little bit less evil than the other.
1: It's, it's like we were talking about a few days ago on the show about if you have two Nazis fighting you can't pick a side because either way you're a
0: nazi sympathizer well i am a cryptocurrency advocate so in this particular battle i want coinbase to win i want them to overcome but there's still i want them to die immediately afterward there's more coming here why the hell are we talking about ai anyway that's coming up it's free talk live of the most terrifying and ugly bugs I have ever seen in my entire life. Azria, uh, come over here and eat this thing before it comes any closer to me. It looks monstrous. I don't know what the hell it is, but I don't want to be anywhere near it. But, and we are, the, we are at a campground here at, you know, the Porcupine Prina Festival, so these things happen. It's usually just some mosquitoes. and He some, looks nice. He looks horrific. <laughs> I disagree with your assessment of nice. He does not look like, okay, oh, good, and, and it also he flies flies even even better. That's great. I am so happy we can peacefully coexist here, little bug. I, I like saying that to, like, spiders and other creatures that I see that I don't want to bother them, bees and wasps in particular, especially when I'm in my backyard. I'm like, hey, bee, I've got no fight with you if you've got no fight with me. Yep, and just I don't, stay over right. there. Well, the bees can come and go, right, and the wasps mostly can come and go. I don't object, but as long as they don't cause me any problems, I won't cause them any problems. That, that's generally my philosophy, and the same thing with, here with this bug. The The natural inclination is to kill one of these things, right? That that's, You just want to grab my flip-flop and just kill it, but it didn't do anything to warrant being killed. And I know it's just an insect, but I think it says a lot about people— I love this theory, this hypothesis that the animals of Earth will be our judges when we die. Now I don't believe this to be true, but I like the idea of it. Like, right, I'm I'm tried after my death, my soul is put on trial, and it's all of the insects and birds and cats and dogs that I've interacted with throughout my entire life who determine whether or not I was a good soul. Or a bad soul.
1: And I do think that is a good way to judge character. Because it's a lot easier to be nicer to humans and to respect humans and to not kill them or hurt them than it is animals. It's And uh, culturally, you know, you, you see a mosquito, you kill it. You see a fly, you kill it. Um, and I think the way people treat animals says a lot about them.
0: I agree entirely. It says a lot about a person, how they treat animals. Things that are inferior to them. Yep. And I don't like the phrase inferior because I don't actually believe that humans are superior to any other non-human yep. animal. But. I don't think so. Uh, people understand what I mean when I say that, though, right? And yeah, that, that's, smaller, weaker. Right? How you treat your equals and your bosses at work means nothing to me. But how you treat your your underlings, your employees, the people under you, that's where that's where I think your character really stands. And if, and if you're mean to them, if you're hostile to them, I'm going to assume that you're just a bad person because you're mean to people when you can afford to be mean to people when there's no consequence for it, such as with the bug. There's no consequence for killing the bug that came through here. There was also nothing to gain from it. But now that bug continues to be alive and it can go about and it can do whatever it was that the bug was going to do. Well, and a lot of people kill bugs out of fear. To be fair, I, I'm not an insectologist. I don't even. I don't. I know there's a word for it, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know which ones are going to bite and which ones are going to sting. Yeah. But and, and he was in my personal space. Right, he's trespassing. He violated the nap here. Like this is private property, sir. But he property, didn't hurt sir. you, and he just flew away. Yeah, he did, but he was trespassing, right? And it's like, sir, this is private property, and
1: I don't think uh, <laughs> insects and animals are usually well versed on the concepts of private property
0: or like b- borders and things like that. Fair <laughs> point. It's important to be forgiving. Like last year, bizarrely, my house got infested with spiders. On the outside, there are no spiders inside my house because my cats would kill them and eat them because they they have, there's some sort of noise that spiders make. Really? I didn't know this. I'm assuming so, that my cats hear because they can hear one coming from several rooms away. Or maybe they can smell them? Maybe. I don't know how they're finding out about it, but I know there have been a few times where, not often because this is New Hampshire and there aren't a lot of spiders here, but I would just be laying in bed and both of my cats would just turn and stare at the wall. And I'm like, all right, good. The house is haunted, great. And then they go and they just stare at the wall. And then they start climbing up and smacking. And I get up and I look and it's just some tiny little spiders. How did you guys hear that or see that or whatever? It's insane. So they're identifying spiders and they're going and killing them. And I love that. But they became infested outside of my house. Like one spider egg hatched. And if you've never seen this, hundreds yeah, of horrifying. spiders can come from one. And
1: I like spiders, but it really? is like
0: really, it's it's not pleasant. Well, I did not see these hatch, but I'm assuming that was what happened because one day there were none. And then the next time I looked, there were dozens of spiders hanging around my front yard, around the lights, around the front door. I'm like, guys, I got to get past you here. And this is not okay. You, you can't stay here. So I would get the water hose and I would spray them down. And it took a few minutes because they they, they are evolutionarily designed to be resistant to rain. It it would be useless for a spider to constantly have its home destroyed by rain. So you got to spray them for a few minutes with a water hose to get rid of them. But there were dozens of them. I sprayed them down. And then the next night they would be right there again. And this happened for weeks before they finally stopped doing it. And I don't know if I just accidentally drowned them all or if they finally figured it out. I don't know if they got the hint but it was... I didn't object to them being there. That's useful. You want to have your spider web around these lights and kill the mosquitoes that will otherwise try to get in as I go in? Absolutely. Good luck, dude. I wish you the best. But me walking through your web and getting in my hair when I get home? No, that's... Sorry. Sorry. Can't, can't coexist at that point. Otherwise... Totally welcome to continue coexisting with the bugs here. And that's what happens here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival when a random bug walks by you and I give an eight-minute speech about my philosophy on the afterlife and insects and why we should be kind to one another. Surprisingly uncommon, but more common here and incredibly common here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I don't think I've ever encountered anyone who was mean. And, you know, people have bad days, obviously. Like last year, the whole time I was here, I was having a bad day but i don't think i've ever encountered anyone who was just mean everyone's nice everyone's friendly everyone wants to talk uh, and it's it's amazing seeing all of these libertarians come together from all throughout the united states a lot of us from here in new hampshire i i don't know what the ratio is but i think probably 10% at least of the people here are just from new hampshire if oh not i would more. say way more than that you
1: think so i would say way more than that the majority of, well i guess The majority of the people I know are from New Hampshire, but that would make sense, right? Because I live here. But I would say, I mean, even just going around talking to people and meeting new people. Yeah, there are a lot of people that come from other places. But I would, I mean, it would be hard for me to gauge without getting an actual, you know, survey on people. But it feels like way more than 10%. It feels like more than half to me. But like I said, I'm because of the circles I you know, because of the people I surround myself with, because I live here in New Hampshire, obviously most of my friends live here.
0: I think I'm going to use this as a new litmus test to determine whether or not someone is or isn't from New Hampshire. If they are surprised that a trans person is welcome here, I think that's how I'm going to know that they're not from New Hampshire. Because here <laughs> in New Hampshire, like we we know how it is. We we have better things to do. Than to fight online and yeah. to divide ourselves, um, the libertarians we we are good at fighting online and fracturing ourselves into smaller and smaller groups and smaller and smaller caucuses. This is what libertarians do. Even here on the show, that's what we do. We take some minuscule little issue that no one else cares about, and we argue about it for three hours over over the slightest cha- disagreement in the definition of the word aggression or whatever you know. Li- libertarians doing libertarian things and libertarians love pontificating on the subtleties of liberty and the non-aggression principle and we it it can get very heated online and there are there are disagreements about social issues all over the place gay people abortion all these and they're usually good faith arguments except on the internet on the internet they're extremely vicious but in new hampshire we know that in person those things cease to apply, right? No matter what Jeremy, Kaufman, no one, I say Jeremy Kaufman, I don't think he actually does any of these particular que- tweets, but no matter what the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire says about gay people or trans people, I know when I'm here, they respect me, they care about me, and they support what I do. They may not, be happy that I'm trans but they, they don't stand in my way they, they show me nothing but love and support as you would expect
1: you know and like I said earlier in this show a lot of the people on Twitter or on Facebook whatever social media platform that are really up in arms about the existence of gay people and trans people and drag queens most of those people aren't Libertarians in New Hampshire. No, Most of those people not. are, first of all, conservatives. And a lot of those
0: people live in places like Florida. Yeah, In New Hampshire, we're trying to build a freedom-oriented society here. We're trying to secede from the United States government. This is very important to us. We have a New Hampshire Independence banner right there. We've got one here on the FTL site, uh, one that Alu brought over earlier for the New Hampshire Independence Political Action, Action Committee. That's NH. IPAC.com, I think, or maybe just NHPAC. The website is right behind me, but I can't see it because the banner is facing the opposite direction. But the, someone asked me recently, I, the, the woman with the Boston Globe asked me whether I supported uh, the the drive to secede from the United States. I was like, oh, you don't, you don't know the history of CACR32, do you? Oh, okay. Well, this all started when Dave Ridley of Ridley Report called into Free Talk Live one night when I was hosting. and I was there with uh, Angie Gordon, and I think you were there, Nikki? Were you there? I might have been. It was an episode of She Talk Live, Yeah, but I don't know I was I was probably there. there then. And he offered, he, he said that he wanted to start contacting representatives to get them to have this constitutional amendment about seceding, but he was hung up on the fact that a bill in the state of New Hampshire It costs the taxpayers about $2,000 to be heard. Wow! And he didn't want to be responsible for the New Hampshire taxpayers having to pay $2,000. And so I said, well, I will put up the $2,000 and that way the New Hampshire taxpayer, well, I will pay for it. That way the New Hampshire taxpayer won't. And I made it clear to him that I was serious. Angie offered to split it or she may have called in to offer to split it. It was definitely an episode of She Talk Live, and I want to say Angie was there, but she may not have been. But she did offer at one point to split it, but things got really chaotic after that. But Ian came down during the break because you know, he's there at the studio, and I brought this up to him. He goes, yeah, I'm in for half. Let's do it. We wanted There were three different ways that we could go about doing this, and each one cost about 2000 Each one was a bill that could have cost about $2,000. There was a constitutional amendment approach. There was just a flat bill approach. And we, were, we wanted to discuss which one of these three we were going to proceed for this $2,000. And ultimately, we decided on the constitutional amendment. And seven or eight of us for the next few weeks kicked emails back and forth. We wanted to use the Shire Society Forum, but I'm on federal pre-release. And I'm highly restricted on what I can and can't do on the Internet, and I'm not allowed to use the Shire Society forum. I was not granted permission to use it in regard to – I actually asked my supervisor officer, I was like, hey, look, so the Shire Society, I'm a member of it. I'm one of the people main people here at Free Talk Live, and that's Shire Society stuff, and we're running a discussion board there. About seceding from the U.S. government, so oh, please, I'm sure they loved that. So please, federal probation officer, may I visit this website and plot to secede from the United States? She never actually said no, but I never actually got permission either, and it stopped being worth it. I was like, Guys, we can do this via email or through Matrix. There's. Co- there's countless avenues for us to have this discussion, and we had it via email kicking it back and forth about how we were going to word it. One person would make this change and then send it on, and another person would make the another change, and I believe I made the final change and set the final wording out, and then we agreed with that, and we rolled it, so it was bizarre to me having this person ask me how I stood on the New Hampshire secession constitutional amendment. I was like, I wrote it, lady. <laughs> I mean, I, I, but, it's like oh you must be new here. But to be fair, it, it wasn't an independent effort. I didn't write it. I yeah, just was course. part of the thing. But I was I was one of the people one of the two people who funded it. And I was the one there at the bill hearing handing out the gold that we decided yeah. was going to be how we paid for it. Mm-hmm. Because we decided that was the best way. I wanted to sort of take these gold goldbacks and walk through the street of Keene, handing them out to people like, here's a, here's $20 worth of gold. Here's $20 worth of gold. But I've watched enough Mark Dice videos, and I don't like Mark Dice because he's he's a hardcore Christian conservative who thinks the Antichrist has taken over the world and that the people at CERN are Satanists who sacrifice children or whatever. However, he does do this video series where he goes through the streets of California offering people in one hand an ounce of silver and in another hand, a bar of Hershey's chocolate. And he ask people which one they want. And almost universally, they choose the bar of chocolate. Idiots. Right. <laughs>
1: like, it's dude, like, I'm... you know, you can just go buy your own bar of chocolate for a dollar, right?
0: But they're so... But they just don't know the value of right. silver. They, they have no idea that silver is useful and valuable. It's silver. How do you not know it's useful? So I, I did not expect we would have much luck with this, but that would, also, that would also give it appeal of multiple videos of me walking throughout Keene and Manchester and Concord, trying yeah. to give people gold, literal freaking gold, and having them say, oh, no, 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 thank you. So
1: last year on Bonnie's birthday, we all went out to dinner, and I believe it was Ian who tried to tip the, it was either Ian or Matt, but someone tried to tip the, the waitress with gold backs. Fantastic. He, you know he explained it. This is real gold. You know, it's valuable. So. And to be
0: fair, people, when you do this, you also want to include a cash tip. Yeah, of course. Exactly.
1: So it's on top of the cash tip because some people, you know, it's still nice to leave 15, 20% cash and then maybe a few gold backs just so people can see it and have them and hold them and see how beautiful they are, whatever, or silver, whatever precious metal you want to give. Maybe even a crypto, you know, some f- form of alternate payment just so people get used to it right
0: yeah absolutely
1: um and it was almost like and this was a young woman she was definitely under 30 and when she looked at it he even explained it to her and it was like her brain short-circuited at the fact that somebody was trying to give her something of value that wasn't a usd it was like she couldn't even compute it and she he asked her do you want this and she said no and she almost looked scared it was like, oh, like, what do you, is this a trick? Like, what are you trying to give me? And we couldn't believe it because obviously, you know, everybody at Bonnie's birthday party or a birthday dinner rather loves gold and silver and crypto in any form, of, like alternate form of payment. We prefer that over dirty fiat. But this, this young woman couldn't even, she couldn't even understand what was happening and it was. It was just such a strange experience because typically, you know, even if we, you know, try to give a wait staff that's maybe in their 50s or 60s, they immediately know, yes, gold is better than USD and they want to accept it. So they, they're typically like older folks are very, very excited and happy to receive a gold back. They think it's so cool, but it seems like the younger generation is losing the knowledge about precious metals and it's just... It, it was a really interesting experience.
0: One of the things that I really hate that we as the libertarians in Keene let lapse was cryptotip.org. I think it was .org. It was See, something I haven't even heard about that. It was fantastic. It was a project that Michael Hampton orchestrated. He was the one who programmed it. He made it all happen. Michael Hampton wizard when it comes to technology. And I say that as a technology person, right? He he was above and beyond Almost anyone I've ever met. And he could do things quickly and efficiently. Absolutely amazing. Rest in peace, Michael. He created CryptoTip.org where you could send cryptocurrency to a wallet that it would assign you. And then you could print off like paper tips. Like if you sent one Bitcoin Cash and you say, I want 30 tips for Bitcoin Cash. It would divide that into 30 chunks and it would print out 30 little tickets with a QR code on it that people could scan you could give it off as a tip at a restaurant then the waiter could scan that qr code and claim that cryptocurrency and it would go directly to their wallet and you could set a timer when you added this cryptocurrency to create these tips like 30 days so if at 30 days from now any currency that hasn't been claimed would automatically be returned to you and that's the critical thing because even if CryptoTip.org still existed I wouldn't recommend it because Michael Hampton is is dead. But even if it still existed, in theory, it would return your cryptocurrency to you. You'd specify how long you want it to last, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year. And if it wasn't claimed, it would come right back to you. And that was an amazing, that was amazing tool for getting people to adopt cryptocurrency because you could tip cash and you could tip a cryptocurrency QR code. And if they scanned it, great. You knew they got your crypto. And yeah. if they didn't, then you would just get your crypto back. So so it wasn't a loss. But if I tip someone with gold backs, I'm out that gold back. It's never coming. And yeah. I'm really bad about tipping people gold backs and not saying anything about it.
1: Well, and that's important because some people, if they have no clue what it is or if they don't value gold, that's why if I'm going to give somebody a gold back, I make sure, are you? Because I value this. Right. I love gold backs and I like to have as many as I can. So I don't want to waste it on some dumb server who doesn't know what gold is. So I always you know, try to explain it And I I even say, listen, if you're going to throw this away, give it back to me. Or will you value this? Because it's a beautiful piece of art and it's real gold. There is a value for it. And if you're not going to spend it, at least keep it and don't lose it. So I do kind of... And I don't tip in gold backs all the time. And normally if I am using gold backs to either tip somebody or to pay for something, it's typically somebody that I know would prefer that over USD. Um, But it is a really easy way to do a form of activism and just getting the word out about goldbacks and they are so beautiful and and everyone I've given them to whether they know what they are or not, or whether
0: they're into collecting precious metals or not, really does enjoy them. They are absolutely beautiful. I've, I've got to go visit the Goldback tent at some point, and either I've, I've got to sell some more gold or buy some more because I've got a lot of Goldbacks over here. I've got close to an ounce worth of gold cool. in Goldbacks, and I'm selling most of it because I got fined $5,000 by the U.S. government as part of the unlicensed Bitcoin money transmission charge that I got, you know, I'm going to prison for it next week. So anyway, I got fined five thousand dollars. On the way up here, I paid. I stopped and I paid twenty-five hundred of that as I was ordered to within sixty days of the sentencing. So anyway, I've got gold that I'm selling if, for that purpose so I can pay the rest of this fine before I even go to prison. But I didn't even know that the Wyoming gold back had come out. I have the full stat right now of the Utah, the Nevada. And then New Hampshire. And it's been my goal to have a full set of every state that gets released because it, they're beautiful pieces of artwork. And it's good to have gold. Absolutely. And eventually having a, a set of each state will be an ounce of gold by itself, right? How many, what, what would that be? 20 states, I think? I, I, I can't do the math off my head, but twenty states that already have gold backs If twenty states had gold bags, oh, then okay. having one of each say, state would be, I yeah. think, an ounce of gold, or maybe it's ten. I, I don't. remember I can't. Now. Yeah, I was yeah. told there would be no math. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, I lied. <laughs> I do that. Be careful. So I want a full set of all of, them. and I saw the Wyoming's, and they're different in that the the amount down there at the bottom that says one twentieth of an ounce of gold or one fiftieth of an ounce of gold. It itself is colored the the box field there is colored like the the tens are red the fives are blue and that text box on most of the goldbacks is just gold or the color of the the weird little laminate they use but with the wyomings it's actually the same color as the dom- nomination of the bill plus it's different pieces of artwork and i want i use mostly new hampshires right those are my go-tos but i want each one because i want these they're beautiful and I want to have them. That said, I'm so torn now that I've learned that you can't just smelt it down to get the gold out, that you have to, it has to have basically. It's sprayed with gold, correct? Right. But you would think if it was sprayed, like if you took a stack of gold backs, let's say a full ounce of gold backs. And you melted them down. You would think that you would get an ounce of gold out of it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that though. No, and it turns out you wouldn't. <laughs> you have to yeah. follow some process that you know generally only they can use. And for that reason alone, silver is a little bit prettier. We completely skipped over the artificial intelligence thing. That is coming up here from the Pokemon Printer Plus One. Well, in the meantime, you can go anywhere here, almost, and spend goldbacks or cryptocurrency. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live here at Rogers Campground, Porcupine Freedom Festival, day number three here, incidentally, the same day I learned where I'm going to be serving my prison sentence. And that will be in Devons, Massachusetts at the men's satellite prison camp there. That was when it was a very weird com- conversation I had with the U.S. Marshals this morning. I and mean, I feel weird even saying this, right? Like they called me and I had a actually, they called me and they left me a voicemail because I didn't, I was doing my makeup, did not see the phone ring. I, my phone is always on silent. So that's the only way I'm going to, I'm not going to hear it ring because it doesn't ring. And I didn't see the call come in, but I saw I had a voicemail, and it was 12 seconds long. I was like, oh, man, this is this is it, isn't it? And I played it, and she was like, this is someone with the U.S. Marshal Service. God, man, really? All right, well, because I knew this bell was going to ring, right? I knew this shoe was going to drop, this penny was going to drop. Whatever, whatever your favorite expression is, I knew it was going to happen. So I called the number back, and I talked to the guy said I was going to be at FMC Devons in Massachusetts. He gave me the address, gave me the phone number for the facility. All of that's super helpful. But I did not think to ask whether it was a men's facility or a women's facility. I was too scattered by the, oh, by I can the information. Imagine. And so I immediately emailed my attorney and I emailed my supervisory officer and said, hey, so is this a men's prison or a women's prison? She said back, it's a male facility. I was like, Of course it is. I should have known. And around that same time, I found it in the handbook, the same information. But that's what I have looking forward to. One of the things that I intend to do when I'm in prison is write. Because I am by trade a writer, and I just... I've gotten so used to doing talk radio, I used to do podcasts, videos, articles, I've written entire books, I've written articles and essays for libertarian publications, I used to do it all, but Free Talk Live became the most effective tool of getting my ideas out there, and so it's sort of one by one, it replaced all of them, and if I wanted to write something now, I would just do it at com, or you know even at freetalklive.com, but I don't do it a whole lot because I'm instead busy doing this actual radio show that is on 180 radio stations throughout the U.S. and that is going to be heard by a lot more people than any random podcast that I used to do. I used to do a podcast called Rantings and Ravings of the Anarchist And It was a lot of fun. But anyway, I used to write, and I don't have the time to do that. One of the things I want to write about is artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence, it could be drastically different. By the time I get out of prison, than what it is now, and I know that as as a writer, as a musician, as a as a talk show host, I will be replaced by artificial intelligence. No, nah, not necessarily. It, it will. Have, why would anyone pay money to listen to me when they can have an artificial intelligence generate de Demetso talking about libertarianism yeah, for three hours? Because we're cooler than robots. Maybe, and that and that may be true to some extent, but on the whole I think anyone who does any sort of I always thought that creativity would be like the last bastion of humanity yeah that we should, apparently not <laughs> yeah ai will never be able to generate art or music or podcasts or movies and then this has revealed to me that oh indeed it will and faster and easier and better than humans because i do look forward to it i look forward to being able to say you know i really like dan McClellan's uh, podcast data over dogma but you know he died 15 years ago so ai give me 200 new episodes of that and it could just generate those on the fly and play them for me so in the end yes being replaced by artificial intelligence, I think. And I think that's a good thing. Because it gives me time to consume the content that I enjoy rather than having to create the content that I enjoy. Because everything I do, it's content that I want to consume. I write music because it's the music that I want to hear. I make videos because they're the videos I want to watch. And eventually, I'm going to be able to just tell an artificial intelligence to generate those for me. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but a lot of artists do.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are more on the creator side. Like, they like creating um, more than consuming. I like doing both. I also work in a lot of service industries. So like healthcare, you know, I was a waitress for a long time. So I really like to serve and to give and to create things. Um, and I think for me personally, that's a really important part about me feeling fulfilled in life. Yeah. I love reading. I have read like 50 books so far this year. Um, So I really enjoy consuming content as well and listening to podcasts and learning things. But I also really like creating. So for me to feel fulfilled, I would need both sides of it. And I do as far as, you know, AI goes. I think we'll have a, a healthy dose of both. So we'll have a lot of AI content, but we'll have a lot of human made content.
0: And I, I think it'll all be good. But I, it's been a weird thing watching the creators, especially the artists, because AI art is the most popular of these different creativity tools. And it's been interesting watching the art, the artists try to figure out a justification for their own existence. Like one of their one of their main talking points is, oh, well, it doesn't, artificial intelligence doesn't actually create anything. It just takes all of these samples and then generates something new, this derivative of it. And then I'm like, that's all humans do as well. Like everything you've ever drawn was derivative of yeah, something else. Every, that is a great point. Yeah. Every other, every story you've ever written, or read was derivative of someone else's story. There's a meme about it called uh, The Hero with a Thousand Faces that ultimately argues that most stories in human history are the same basic story. But you can't write a book today without having been influenced by Harry Potter and Stephen King, in the same way that artificial intelligence is influenced by other art, authors and artists as well. Like, that's all humans do. You take input, you learn these styles, and you learn these techniques of Hieronymus Bosch and, and Monet and Manet and, the, and countless other artists, and then you work it and you create your own unique style, and th- that's all artificial intelligence is doing. Nothing that humans do in regard to art is fundamentally different from what artificial intelligences do. we're all derivative of one another. We take in these art samples and we create something new. And that's literally what artificial intelligence is doing.
1: And I think it's really interesting when you have that mix of artificial intelligence influence, but also real human influence, like with um, the new Beatles song, how obviously, you know, the remaining members of the Beatles, which I think at this point is only Paul and Ringo. So they're in, you know, they're singing and playing instruments in the song but they also used ai to recreate you know using samples to recreate john lennon's voice that's like really interesting blend of you know blending the ai and the human aspects of right, art right because
0: john lennon was killed a long time i don't know exactly how long ago, like the 70s the or 80s, the 80s think, or something yes. yeah so john lennon was killed and as a result of that there's been no new beatles music since yeah. that contained john lennon so artificial intelligence among one of the countless other things that it does it gives us a way to hear a new John Lennon song. Just like this, the, the podcast that I mentioned earlier gave us a way to hear Steve Jobs talking to J- Joe Rogan. And the, this thing never existed. Artificial intelligence created that. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Being able to take these artists, like, what would Beethoven write if he, if he were to write a death metal song? I tend to think, as far as classical goes, a lot of what Beethoven wrote was like classical death metal. The genre just didn't exist then. But so, what, what if it did? What if we had Beethoven alive today and we handed that dude a distorted guitar tuned to drop B, right? Write a song, man. I want to, artificial intelligence soon will be able to do that. Give me a death metal song if Beethoven and Bach wrote it. Right. And that's that's an amazing development. And we don't have it yet, but we will have it. So being able to resurrect past living figures or what would Thomas Paine have to say? But once you start factoring, like what would Thomas Paine have to say about the Federal Reserve Bank? You start factoring in biases and the ability of a programmer to affect what the artificial justice would say like it would want it to be pro state the, the current existing ones like open AI's mm-hmm. if you ask it about a bunch of different social issues it definitely leans left so if you were to ask it something like what would Thomas Paine think about the LGBTQ movement or whatever it's probably going to take a hard left position with it and morph Thomas Paine into being a hard leftist and I suspect we'll encounter more and more of that as things go on. But, you know, that that's in the future. I'm thinking more of artists and being able to re- resurrect past artists and providing them with new ideas that, that couldn't have been possible back then, like Beethoven and the death metal guitar. And other people are doing this. Now we have two members of the Beatles, the two remaining members. I think you said it was Ringo and who? Paul. Okay, because I don't know anything about the Beatles. As we started to talk about previously, not my forte. I never understood the appeal, but I... I think Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin, actually Led Zeppelin's older. They're probably the oldest band that I listen to regularly and truly enjoy. Okay. There's there's a few Rolling Stones songs that I like, but the Beatles in general I just never understood the appeal, but I know a lot of people do, especially the the druggy influenced songs like I, I don't I can't think of any off the top of my head cuz I just don't know their music.
1: I guess like the album Revolver would be more
0: or a Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The only Beatles song that I really can think of off the top of my head would be like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds that I've always heard. (laughs) Which
1: is a super trippy song.
0: And I've always heard that it's about LSD. Obviously, Lucy, Sky, Diamonds. has, But the Beatles said that wasn't about LSD. I think they just had to say that. Right. Just like Pink Floyd said that Dark Side of the Moon doesn't sync with The Wizard of Oz when you started at the second Lions Roar. But like there are parts, because I've seen this, you can find it on YouTube as... Wizard of the Dark Side. I don't remember what they call it. Yeah. But
1: I don't know if they purposely did that, but I, it definitely sinks. Yeah, I,
0: I I, have a hard time believing it wasn't intentional just because it doesn't always sink up. But in those moments that it does, it's so eerily perfect. It's like, they, there's no way that wasn't intentional. But I don't know. They said it wasn't. And b- the Beatles said that Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is not about LSD, despite "Lucy Sky Diamonds" being LSD. You know? I mean,
1: that also might just be a coincidence, but they were definitely on acid well, what or the- some hallucinogen when they wrote
0: that song. It's a song I mean, come called on. "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds." What the hell else could it be about, <laughs> right? What What the hell else could have inspired that if not acid? Yeah, when I've done acid before. I know what it does to people, and that's the kind of crap it makes you think. Yeah. But I'm not generally a fan. Of the, as I mentioned, that's the only song of theirs I can really think of. So tell me about this new song being yeah. produced by two of these surviving members, along with Artificial Intelligence, filling in the gap of the members who are no longer with us. Yeah. So this is a BBC
1: article. So Paul McCartney says that Artificial Intelligence has enabled a final Beatles song. And I think I saw somewhere else, too, that there's going to be a whole album. According to this article, it's just talking about this final song. Maybe they will. Maybe it'll be like an EP, something like that, just with a few songs. Uh, Who knows? So Sir Paul McCartney says that he has employed artificial intelligence to help create what he calls the final Beatles record. He told BBC Radio 4's Today program the technology has been used to extricate John Lennon's voice from an old demo so he could complete the song we just so
0: even if this is successful they won't ever do another is that right
1: I, I'm sure they might I mean they are getting older like you know Paul McCartney has to be close to 80 yeah that's true so like they're getting up there but I also saw I mean you know I mentioned earlier in the show I'm going to see dead and company on Sunday, who's that? Is that so? It's it's the remaining members of the Grateful Dead, but they can't call oh. it the Grateful Dead because Jerry Garcia died in '96. But um, it's three of the uh, two of the drummers of the original band and um Bob Weir, but they just call it something else because so it's basically is it out of
0: respect or like some stupid legal copyright? I issue? I
1: don't think it's anything legal. I think it's just what they wanted to do. Okay. Um, and John Mayer's in the band, and John Mayer was definitely not an original member of the Dead, so Dead and Company
0: just. Kind kind of, you know. Well, makes more is, sense. Static X is touring now without Wayne Static and it's Yeah, it's, so that doesn't really make sense. But they either. have the dude, the singer with like the Wayne Static mask on and it's, it's That's a little eerie weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. Everything about it is a little bit weird. Yeah, I don't I don't really like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've never been a big fan of Static X anyway. Another I mean Pantera's also doing a reunion thing and yeah. I wish they would just not because I don't support you know, Nazis, but other people do, you know, to each their own, I suppose. I suppose. So
1: um, Paul McCartney says, we just finished it up and it will be released this year. Paul did not name the song, but it is likely to be a 1978 Lennon composition called Now and Then, so which would be they, a perfect name for it, honestly. That's actually pretty cool.
0: So this is a song that they began recording while Lennon was still alive and they or just never finished like it? it sounds like maybe he wrote it.
1: I'm not sure. Because 78, and I don't recall the exact year that John Lennon passed away, but I think it was in the early 80s. Okay. So maybe it was something he was working on that he never finished because he started doing some of his solo stuff with Yoko Ono. Uh, and obviously, Paul right, McCartney has his solo <laughs> stuff. They, every member of the Beatles has their own solo stuff.
0: Right.
1: You know, whether it's good or not is up for the listener to Have you seen The performance
0: of... Yoko Ono and... What, her screeching at the art gallery? No, not that one. This was... John Lennon was playing with Chuck Berry, and they were okay. d- they were doing a Chuck Berry song. I don't remember I have seen one. this. <laughs> and she just starts, like, screeching in the background. So,
1: like, that's her... Um, that's her form of music, where other musicians might play the guitar or sing. Or do something good. She screeches. Oh, I mean... So... All right. Well, everyone
0: needs a hobby. right? All right.
1: Guess so. <laughs> so, so. anyways, um, it has already been considered as a possible reunion song for the Beatles in 1995 as they were compiling their career-spanning anthology series. Sir Paul had received the demo a year earlier from Lennon's widow, Yoko Ono. It was one of several songs on a cassette labeled For Paul that Lennon had made shortly before his death in nineteen
0: eighty. Oh that's awesome. And yeah. as a as a musician I fully get it. I've got thousands of unfinished songs in various states of being unfinished. Yeah. Some are just like twenty-second riffs that I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! I need to record that." Others are full five minutes long with multiple instruments that just never got finished for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. So it sounds like something along the lines of yeah. that. Yeah. So I would imagine, you know, John Lennon absolutely would have dozens, hundreds, probably thousands of unfinished songs. Oh, I'm songs. sure. I'm surprised Yoko Ono actually let these out of her possession instead of recording her masterpieces well, I over think,
1: them. I think she gave this one to Paul McCartney because it was labeled for Paul. Oh, okay. uh, so that would kind of be messed up to not give it to him, honestly. <laughs> but it sounds like it took her fifteen years because I think it says she gave it to him in nineteen ninety five and he died in nineteen eighty.
0: Um Yeah, there's a pretty so, big gap there between yeah. yeah. She held on to that for a while. Yeah. But yeah, you know, better late than never, I guess. And Absolutely. now he's using it. The, almost thirty years later, yeah. To he's actually finishing these things, and I, li- yeah. I like that he's got music that was actually created or originated with John Lennon, yeah. And now he and the rest of the Beatles are just like finishing it. I think it's
1: a great tribute. I think it's really cool, and I cannot wait to hear it. I hope it's good because some of my favorite bands will come out with new albums, and they just completely suck, and it just it really like hurts my heart. So yeah. I'm hoping it sounds good. I mean, like I like I said earlier in the show, I like. Almost every Beatles song I can find songs I like on every single one of their albums spanning over, you know, decades. So I'm sure
0: it will be good. I know what you mean, though. The Butcher Babies, as I mentioned, they do have their new album coming out in just a few weeks. And so far out of the four songs I've heard from it, like two of them were good. One of them was not and the other one I just didn't care about. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be, it's what you would expect from a full length album. And this is why a lot of bands are no longer really doing full albums. They'll just release a single. And if it works, you know, they keep it. And if it doesn't, they just drop it. Yeah, that seems to be a good. But this album that they're releasing is a two album set. I'm looking forward to listening to it once I finally get out of prison in eighteen. 18- months. So the tracks were largely recorded onto a boombox
1: as the musician sat at a piano in his New York apartment. Yeah, this so very the, primitive yeah. recording style. This was definitely the
0: '60s <laughs> and the '70s, man.
1: Yeah, cleaned up by. Well, prim- I mean, that's not even print for the '70s. That's, that's no. This, yeah, this advanced. was. Yeah, I think this was probably recorded in like '97 or sorry no, not 9779 right
0: but to have your own personal cassette recorder in yeah. in the late 70s that's impressive Yep. But I mean, he is John Lennon, so I'm not terribly surprised that such a thing existed. Yeah. So
1: um, the track was cleaned up by producer Jeff Lynn. Two of those songs, Free as a Bird and Real Love, were completed and released in 1995 and 96, marking oh. the Beatles' first new material in 25 years. Have you listened to those? I have, yeah, they're good. They are good? Mm-hmm. Okay. The band also attempted to record, now and then, an apologetic love song that was fairly typical of Lennon's later career, but the session was quickly abandoned.
0: It an was apologetic one- love song? Yeah. Was that like, sorry, Yoko, that you suck? I, n- that's
1: what it seems like.
0: Okay. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was probably not that, but yeah. right. That's what we're going to go with, because I haven't listened to it.
1: It was one day, one afternoon, really, messing with it, Lynn recalled. The song had a chorus, but it was almost totally lacking in verses. We did the the backing track, a rough go, that we really didn't finish. Paul later claimed George Harrison refused to work on the song, saying the sound quality of Lennon's vocals was rubbish. It didn't have a very good title. It needed a bit of reworking, but it had a beautiful verse, and it had John singing it.
0: Well, I mean, what does he want? The dude's been dead for 20 years at this point. It's like, it's not going to be high quality like yeah. he just stepped so, into a studio.
1: And obviously, um, George Harrison has passed away at this point. And now where we have the technology of artificial intelligence to be able to plug in some demos and get, you know, full vocals from John Lennon, it seems like this is what they needed to be able to produce the song. If the vocal quality was so poor, and obviously we don't have John Lennon anymore to be able to sing vocals on the song, what else are you going to do if you want John Lennon's vocals? Of course, Paul or someone else could sing the vocals, but if they're trying to do, you know, if they're trying to use John's vocals, if that's what they're getting at, then, you know, of course.
0: Right, and the beautiful thing about artificial intelligence is that it can simply just be John Lennon. It could create an entirely new song without any actual music contained by John Lennon. It could also just take these samples of John Lennon and recreate the entire song at studio quality. I'm I'm almost a little surprised they didn't do that.
1: Yeah. So the turning point came with Peter Jackson's Get Back documentary, where dialogue editor... Emile de La Rey trained computers to recognize the Beatles voices and separate them from background noises and even their own instruments to create a clean audio. The same process allowed Paul to duet with Lennon on his recent tour for the new surround sound mixes of the Beatles' Revolver album to be created last year.
0: See, and that's why he, Artificial Intelligence, I think, is going to replace us, because it can do stuff like that, and that's absolutely even stunning.
1: It, I mean, even if it doesn't replace us, we can use it for good, and we can use it for awesome stuff like this to be able to do things that we would not be able to do.
0: I mean, these, you know, naturally, some of these technologies already exist, like there, there are silence detectors and background noise, white noise detectors, mm-hmm. like Audacity, Audacity has one, we could just record ambience for 30 seconds and then tell it to remove all of that from the audio track. But it would do a terrible job. Mm-hmm. But artificial intelligence, you could say, "Hey, this dog barked at you know three minutes in. Identify everything that it's a dog barking and remove it yeah. from the rest of the audio without affecting it." And somehow it could take the single track that is us talking and remove something from it. Yeah, that's and, amazing. And to do that yourself, yeah, it's possible
1: to to somehow edit that out of the of the audio. But that would take so long. And if we could just train AI to do it, that would be able to increase efficiency
0: substantially. And all of these all of these technologies are coming. Art of art is just the most obvious. It's the one that we yeah. have now because it's easier to describe everyone is accustomed to describing a one in one sentence a piece of art that they want. Mm-hmm. Most people have never tried to describe what a song is like. They they wouldn't know how to describe the time signatures or the changes. So it's just not a language that they're versed in. And I can only imagine how long these the paragraph, the pages would have to be to tell artificial intelligence to create a a five minute long song that was actually worth listening to, but it's all there. Artificial intelligence music generators are already out there. We messed with one briefly on free talk live. We never actually generated any audio because it was really complicated. It's just, it's much easier for a person to understand art generators. Because they're, they're experienced with art. Everyone was a kid who made art at one point. But not everyone was a kid with a guitar or a harmon- well, maybe a harmonica. But not everyone was a kid with a musical instrument.
1: So Jackson was able to extricate John's voice from a ropey little bit of cassette.
0: Paul- that, that's insane. Be, yeah. um, that's absolutely amazing technology to be able to... To train an artificial intelligence anyway, it's something that we, we're already taking it for granted. But yeah. like, this is a computer program that these people are training to do a thing. Having trained my dog, I have a fair bit of knowledge about what it takes to train something. Yeah. And she's smarter than an artificial intelligence. So I, I, I feel bad for these people and the massive amounts of data they have to give these AIs to get them to do what they want. Yeah. So they had John's voice and a piano, and he could
1: separate them with AI. They tell the machine, that's the voice, this is the guitar,
0: lose the guitar. See that that's phenomenal yeah. because that normally takes like a mixer, and even yeah. then it's not perfect. Like, hey, I'd take the bass out of here and artificial intelligence being able to do that from a single track. That's amazing. Well, coming out with us at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, we are we are at rv forty six. We're time for today. You can join us in the meantime on our server at freetalklive.com.
2: This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with porcupinerealestate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing. But there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.